want to give a shout out to our sponsors of the week. It is Illegal Image Clothing. You could check them out on Instagram, Illegal Image Clothing. And then we got our brother and, and the one that's putting it down, punching back in L.A. County and all over Southern California. His name is Attorney Rosenberg. You guys could check him out at Attorney Rosenberg. And then if you guys want to get some training, some fitness, some nutrition, get your mind right, get your body right, get right for summer, tap in with my boy JB Fitness. That's JB underscore fitness on Instagram. And we also got the homies at Rap Kings. That's right, Rap Kings underscore LV. If you guys want to get your walls, businesses wrapped, uh, vehicles, they do it all. So make sure you guys let them know that Mr. Criminal sent you. And last but not least, we got Trade Craft Farms. That's right, the homie Daniel Rodriguez of the USC pulled up this week and uh, tapped in with a bag of that Trade Craft. And we've been in touch. So I want to give a shout out to all our sponsors. Make sure you guys give them a follow. Make sure you guys show some love and support. Yeah. And we back, baby. Episode number 10. Mr. Criminal on air live, the most active and realest podcast on the West Coast. And we back with episode number 10. Mr. Criminal on air live, like I said, the most active and realest podcast on the West Coast. And we've been making history week after week. Shout out to everybody out there subscribing, tapping in, supporting. Tonight we got another legend in the building. And we we, we straight bringing legends to the building, Critical. It's been sir, nonstop. Yes, and tonight I'm uh, very pleased and proud to bring my homeboy to the table. Somebody I grew up since I was a little boy, Critical. You know the stories. Oh, yes, I do. I grew up on this man, and, I, and some of the most influential records of the West Coast has been presented to our radio waves by this gentleman. Mm. He has uh, created a brand on the West Side before people were repping the West Side in music like that. That's yeah. Right. And we're doing it for reals. And he holds up the flag real, real high and proud for Latinos. So I want to bring to the stage my homeboy. West Side Radio. That's right. Julio G is in the building. I'm in here. I took me a minute to get here, but hey, I got it. What's cracking? I gotta represent with you, man. man. I gotta represent. And with I you. appreciate that. Yeah, we go. We go way back. So yeah, we, we go way back. Do. They don't even know the. They the don't know the story. stories. The real true stories. But you know tonight I mean? they're gonna figure it out. Yeah, we're gonna tell them some things tonight. Of course. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me out here. I appreciate you um, inviting me in, man. I, and of course, I had to make it happen for you because we go way back. So, thank you, man. I appreciate it, bro. Hell yeah. And, and the first thing he said, critical. What's up, man? He put on the headphones and said, damn, criminal, you guys got some nice headphones. <laughs> That's what I said. I said, damn, these are some nice headphones. What are these? Yeah. I need to use some of these next time. He said that, that's, yeah, he said it's radio quality. Yeah, so we radio got, quality. We got stamped out by the, by the legend right here, man. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, and that's how we do it. Hey, Critical. What's up, my boy? We've been uh, making a lot of history, a lot of noise. We just hit the very first month, four weeks on, on our podcast. Yes, sir. And we've hit... 15 million impressions in 30 days. Oh wow. That's we great. We hit uh, over 100,000 on our first episode, 77,000 on our second. I think it's like 66,000 on the third. That's and uh, the, the the Spotify, the Apple streams, the, the music, it's just taking off all over. And we want to thank everybody, like I said, every single person out there supporting all over the world. And uh, 
I guess they're gravitating towards this towards this love that we're putting on this microphone, Crit. Yes, sir. We out here trying to push the community in something positive. Like I tell everybody out there, uh, there's enough po- podcasts out there po- pushing the negative narrative. Yeah. And, and trying to ask people about their beefs and how they grew up in gangs and all that. We already know that through the music. Mm-hmm. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to show the celebration of the culture, the celebration of the music, the creation, where it came from, where the love came from, the birth, and uh, the celebration of it all, man. Because yeah. it's a it's a blessing to have these talents yeah. and to be able to present our voice to the world. So for sure. Before we get to the story, critical. Yeah. Weekly news, my G. We Let's got we got go. the hood TMZ right here for California <laughs> Love Studios. Stop what stop do we got? It. What's what's going on? Hey man, Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre are celebrating their 30 years of doggy style, and guess guess how they're doing it? How's that? They just announced the show, and they're gonna do their whole album, the 1993 classic album, and they're gonna do it with a full live orchestra. That's gonna be hard. Amazing. Yes, wow. Hollywood Bowl, 2023, June 27th and 28th. Wow. 30 years, man. Wow. Wow. And hip hop just turned 40. <laughs> That's dope. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? We just keep hitting no, this milestone. It turned 50. Oh, 50. 50. Oh, 50. Damn, I got 50. corrected. Damn. Yeah, this is our 50 this year. That's amazing. <clears throat> yeah, for sure, man. Oh, man. I can't wait to see that though. That's gonna be amazing to see because you know Dr. Dre when he does things, he just takes it to the next level, and he's, he's such a musician. So that's gonna be an amazing. It's going to be amazing to see what they even do with they do with G thing and things like that. Just, you know, because it's so musical, you know what I mean? So with a whole orchestra, that's going to be crazy, man. I can't wait to see that. You know, it's, fun. you know, it's super dope. And I was just telling my wife this other day. I'm a student of the game and I listen to music and I pick it apart. And I'm like a boxer, how boxers study other boxers and how mm-hmm. they how they shadow box and all that. And how they how they block everything. And I was telling my wife. The whole Chronic album was sampled by Parliament. Half the whole, yeah. most of ninety percent of the album. Pretty, pretty was, much. That's that was the, <clears throat> that was that's what that was actually at that time. Was yeah. He when he came with that record, he's what he, he kind of got out of the N.W.A. sample sound, where he was just dropping all these samples with the good, you know, and all these different pieces, kind of like Public Enemy, you know what I mean? But um, you know, you notice when he got into. Into the death row era, he he became he went into replaying things and bringing you know uh, bringing basically the funk into it, brought the G funk basically into that uh, whole situation. So that was that era. That's how that's where Dre took it at that time. So that's what, where he shifted. You know what I mean? So Hell yeah, yeah. That whole album, that first album, if you really pay attention to it, it's it's pretty much Parliament. Yeah, and I bring that up for the fact that when when they graduated the sound to the next level, when they when they stopped leaning on the sound of Parliament, and when Dre started finding himself as a producer to to produce more original music, it started going to a very orchestral yeah. type of situation. Mm-hmm. All the sounds were starting to be very very stringy. Mm-hmm. Lots of pianos. They started bringing the Scott Storch, the Millmans, or the Hitmans, all this type of people. So I think that that it's going full circle from 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 to the orchestra, right? Mm-hmm. Crip. Yes, sir. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, hey, before we get started, I wanted to give you something, man. What you got? I brought you something, bro. What you got, big dog? I see I all brought, that Los brought, Angeles Kush all over the place. I brought you Kush. I brought you. Uh, oh, man. You gotta have a hoodie. You gotta have a hoodie, bro. Ah, that's love. You gotta have a hoodie. And of course, you gotta have a hoodie's not enough. You know what I mean? Man, you come to my home. I gotta get bringing me gifts. Paradise, Paradise Haze. Wow. Some King of LA. Wow. Some Blood Walker. Wow. And we got some Black Gelato. Wow, it looks like it's going to be a lit session. <laughs> and some, and some <laughs> LA Kush lighters I threw in there for you, man. Man, I appreciate you, man. Yep, and, and I brought a hat for your girl. 
Nice Thank you. His baby girl yeah. gonna rock that for and sure. A, and, a, and a beanie too, man. You man, know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna hey. throw this all in here, man. So that's from LA Kush, man, bro. Shout out to LA Kush. Yeah, you we got you. Know. We got you. We Anybody got you. that knows me and my team, uh, I got, baby, do I not have a hat almost exactly like his right here in my closet? <laughs> I've been rocking it for like five, six years, maybe even longer, man. That's what we do. We gotta support and cross, cross culture sure. supporting, you know? So for sure, man. That's Thank a beautiful you. thing, man. So now that we're talking about the music and we, what's up, Crip? Man, that's amazing to, to, to have this uh, type of sponsors and, and, and love from these type of companies. So let's explain a little bit before we get into the background or anything. What's your affiliation with this company is? How, how you get uh, this type of love, bro? Oh, LA Kush? Yeah. Oh, LA Kush are just some really good friends of mine. And uh, <clears throat> they've been um, very supportive of myself. And I've always, we just kind of like support each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I'm more in the, in the kind of the light out there. So I always try to represent um, but these are some friends of mine that I came over from way way back. You know what I mean? And I'm just been supportive because they've been good friends, and I just want to see them win. You know what I mean? So I may be having some uh, L.A. Kush, um, some Julio G coming from L.A. Kush also. So my own flower. Because <clears throat> yeah. I like um, I like Indica so much. I want to do a, a Julio G. Oh, that's hard. Yeah, like a Julio G or maybe a West Side Radio. I don't know. I'm not sure yet, but we're gonna figure that out. But yeah, I've been working with Ellie Kush for some years now. So um, yeah, yeah, that's my fan, man. So I was representing every, everywhere I go with him, you know. Hell yeah. <clears throat> so we're gonna take it all the way to the soil, all the way to the bottom, all the way to the very beginning. Yeah. I would love to know how Julio G became who he is today, where he fell in love with music, where you grew up, where the story was created, where you picked up a turntable, the first love for hip hop at all. Let's, let's lay it on yeah. the, the table. Well, well, I mean, my story starts way back in like 1972. Um, my mom, uh, myself, uh, we moved to a city called Linwood, uh, right next to Compton, Watts, that area. Um, I was a little kid, you know, I was five years old when I moved there, so I didn't really know what, where we were moving to. I don't think my mom really knew either. Um, we just uh, <clears throat> ended up in Linwood. But from the beginning, you know, it, it was I was lucky to grow up on a musical block. Everybody on my block did something in music, like had, like was like, one of my friends was in, his pops was a jazz person, so he had all the jazz records. So when I'd be over there and, you know, he'd be playing... You know, um, Monk Higgins, and he'd be playing like Herbie Hancock. He'd be playing like uh, uh, Roy Ayers a lot, and you know, just a lot of just just stuff that I remember from him. But not like, hey, come listen to this. It was just kind of on at their crib, you know. what I mean, then my other friend Ray, he he used to be in the disco, so that got I soaked up the disco at his house. And then my friend Marcellus, he was into funk and. And everything that was out at that time, so <clears throat> I was just around a lot of music. Music when I was growing up, my, my my neighborhood was just really into music, so I absorbed all these different styles of music. And then eventually later came hip hop, but <clears throat> I started with funk, like just old school funk and oldies. I mean, um, I mean a little bit of everything. I like new wave music. We used to listen to everything: disco, new wave, funk, um, pop music. You know, I mean, then later house music came. I mean, we listened to a little bit of everything growing up. So I've been, I've, I was just always in in that music kind of thinking, you know what I mean? And then dancing, because we used to have <clears throat> all these different dances we would do every summer. It was a new dance. You had to learn it. And everybody did routines. And it was just uh, just music. It was, I was just, that's all I remember growing up is just being into music. But I never knew I was going to be into DJing. I just knew that I liked music. That came later on, you know what I mean? But... We all started, like my friend Marcellus and myself, we started with um, a cassette deck, and then like we would make our own little tapes, 
you know, like, and we would try to get it off the radio and, and hope the guy didn't talk so we could be like, boom. Like, so, as soon as Roger's song came out, we'd be like, boom. We'd record the next one. So we try to make, even back then in our head, we were trying to make like a continuous mixtape without really knowing it. We were, but we were doing it off the radio. Wow. So it was really, really crazy how we would do that. <clears throat> and then later on, like, when I did get on the radio, um, I always answered my own phones because when I was young, I remember, remember me and my friend Marcellus, rest in peace, he, we, we were trying to get Ray Parker Jr. and Radio had just put this record out, record out called, I think it was Still in This Groove. And we were like, man, it was so hard. We were just like, we got to get this. I need it. We had the cassette ready, the radio. And I remember we kept calling the radio station for hours, man. Like, man, they won't pick up. We want to just, can you play one time? That's all we got to hear. So I remember since I was a little kid, like, <clears throat> trying to get through and we couldn't get through. So when I got on the radio, I, I always made a, a thing about that. Like, I would always answer my own phones. I, I would want people to be able to get through if they had something they wanted to say, you know what I mean? But basically, that's how I kind of came up. I just came up in a musical environment and, you know, a lot of black friends growing up. So I learned a lot of, you know, their music. And like I said, my Hispanic friends, music from them. So it was just a mixture of everything. Hell yeah. So what what was the first time that you picked up a turntable? Turntable came um I started first um when I first was young I, I used to lock a little bit, then I used to pop a little bit for fun, but I took breakdancing really serious and I became very popular at in the area. Um breakdancing, but my friend Marcellus, once again, my friend, he 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 was he had older cousins, so they took him to Uncle Jam's army dance one day. Wow. And he came uh, to the house, and he, in his garage, he had a pool table, <clears throat> and he put, like, this raggedy, messed-up turntable, a little realistic mixture, and, he, and this other, like, consola turntable he took out of somewhere, and he just made it work because he was really good with, with taking things apart. And um, and he he's I went in there, and he's like, man, I went to Uncle Jam's army. And he had sucker MCs and... Uh, uh, so he had a sucker MCs from Run DMC, and he played it in front of me. He went, like, he said, "Man, I seen Bobcat do this." He went, "Dun dun dun dun, dig it, dun dun dun, dig it." And when I seen him do that, I was like, "Oh, like just some, just I want to do that. Like I really want to do. That. I would mess with it here and there, but I like really wanted to do it when I seen the whole setup. So that was the beginning. But I still didn't have like my turntables or nothing like that. It was just kind of like an idea at the time because I was like into breakdancing and all that stuff still. Um, <clears throat> then I went home. I used my mom's consola and I started scratching on my mom's consola with no mixer, no nothing, just with one hand. And then my friend Marcellus once, once again taught me something. He, he, he would get a, a piece, he would get a bag from like the grocery store, like the car, like the, you know those like beige looking bags? Yeah. And he would cut out the circle of the turntable and put a hole and then he put that one and then he would get you know, back in the days when you would pull out the records, sometimes it came in them white sleeves and then sometimes it came in them kinda like plasticky, little thin plasticky sleeves. Mm -hmm. He would get one of those and cut a circle of that one and then put another paper bag and cut a circle of that one. So you had the bottom bag, the plastic one in the middle, and the other bag on top. And then I would put the record on top, and that would let me kind of be able to cut. Because those turntables, those consola turntables weren't 
made direct for that. drive. They weren't yeah. made for that. So I had to kind of make that work. And he wow. taught me that. He, he was a young kid too, man. He was really smart at like, like to think that out. Like I would have never thought of doing that. Like, it, but it made it work enough for me like to be able to do good, do good, do So when I first started, I just would do one hand scratch, But it taught me later when I got a fader. A little bit more, but I was a little bit more ready to. I didn't have to use a fader that much. I could do a lot of cutting just with just my one hand without that much fader. You know what I mean? So I learned that from a consola. You already had a technique. <clears throat> yeah, I learned that from that. You know, that's how, that's how I got into it. And then a couple friends here and there would have a turntable I could touch and scratch a little bit. And then later on in high school, I met a guy named Ray Rodriguez, and he's the one that let me like use some Technique twelve hundreds that he had. And that's when I really got into like, oh man, I really. I got to get my money together to buy the equipment because I didn't have, we were, no, we were broke back then. So, but that's what kind of, that's what got me going. So thank you to Ray Rodriguez. He was, he was, he was very instrumental in my um, coming up for sure. That's beautiful. And the Technique 1200s are still a staple to this day. $500, man. Nothing, four, nothing's, four nothing's no. I'll, I'll top them, right? Mm -hmm. That's still the standard. I remember when I, I was, like them. You know what I mean? Yeah. There are a lot of people do different stuff today, but I still like Technique 1200s to DJ on. They're fun. Yeah. A little bit different than uh, the feel these days uh, when it switched over to digital with the Serato and all that stuff. Yeah. It, you can still do it with the tw 1200s. I do both. Yeah. Right? I still yeah. use Serato with 1200s. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you you can still bridge both. Oh worlds. yeah, oh yeah, that's that makes it dope. That's a beautiful thing. So, who who was the first person that you could say that you were around that actually matched the love of music for you? It was it the the homie you keep bringing up. Yeah, he was the first Marcellus. person. Yeah, we was just always just together, man. We just used to just it was like my best friend growing up. So it was just everything we did, we did go karts together, we did mini bikes together, we did low rider bikes together. We used to bondo bikes. We used to do like all kinds of stuff. Like we, it was just like you know when I see kids today, I just trip out on them because they don't take advantage of so much time you have. When we were kids, man, we used to get up at eight in the morning. We would go till ten p.m. It'd be like an all day. Nonstop was just all kinds of stuff going on. It wasn't yeah. like we just did one thing. It was like we're gonna play some ball right here. We're gonna go do the bikes over here. We're gonna <laughs> low rider bike over here. Work on the bondo. Get the go kart. Then I mean, we go just watch had, a fight. Oh yeah, bro. We <laughs> all just kinds of shit. yeah. We gonna hit some blocks. Get the radio because that's our thing. Yeah. Radio and batteries. Oh, get the radio. There's some girls on da 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 block. Oh, jump on double ride. Boom. We just be like boom. That's dope. You know what I mean? We, it's a, it was just such a vibe. It was such a vibe back then, man. Just to have your music on the top of a, a handlebars and just riding that that just felt like. Like you wasn't a low rider, dog. It felt like like that. Like to us, we we thought we was the shit. Just as kids, just dipping down your street, and we bumping like a motherfucker. Just don't don't don't, you know. So that that was that was the vibe in Linwood. We it was real live back then, man. That's amazing. Good times, man. So on the East Coast, they were birthing and they were they were learning their their style of hip hop and engineering what they needed to on their side, and they had the original DJs and the, the legendaries, right? On the West Coast, we had the Tony G's, we had the Julio G's, we had the people that were engineering and now as we're learning deeper that you were engineering in a whole different way to learn how to cut and, and bring a new sound and a new style to, to the streets. Because you were DJing in the streets and backyard parties before backyard you ever parties. hit the radio. Yeah, yeah. And that's sometimes that's even more influential <clears throat> in those days. Because what people were learning right there off of what you were doing was taking that and becoming artists and becoming producers and all that. And they were being inspired by you. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of people don't realize the, the legendary 
foundation that you're part of and what you've created for sure out here in, in, in a lot of the East coast gets a lot of the love of, of the founders and they get the documentaries and all the love and shit. We need to give the flowers to the real ones out here. They, we don't document West coast it's not. like that. They don't like to, I don't know. They just, they just, uh, they just don't really document us like that. They don't really go back to the history. I just noticed like on the West coast, people are more concerned about the East coast. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? For they sure. don't really understand. Like you got your own history here, but before people like myself, I always have to salute, the people that were before me that inspired me, you know what I mean? Yeah. One, one was Tony G, actually. He, mm-hmm. He's very inspirational in my life, um, listening to him on the radio. But I also, I got to give it up to uh, Uncle Jam's Army. Yes, sir. Uncle Jam's Army was critical, you know what I mean? And very, very instrumental on the West Coast hip-hop, world-class wrecking crew. N.W.A. Uh, N.W.A., them guys, too. But uh, the early guys, Egyptian Lover, Bobcat. Um, you know what I mean, Roger Clayton, that whole crew. You know what I mean. Wow. You got to you got to give them their their flowers, you because I didn't they're even they're know that. yeah yeah they're, they're before us. La Dream Team. You know what I mean. They that was the early West Coast, um, you know, like sound coming out at that time. You know what I mean. Like you know, coming out Ice T also original from the beginning. Kid Frost from the beginning too. A lot of people think that Kid Frost started with La Raza, but I know him before that. Wow. He was oh yeah he was. He had established hip-hop himself in hip-hop before that. Before La Raza, he already had dropped two other records. Wow. A record called Rough Cut and a record called uh, Terminator. And so I remember seeing him on Whittier Boulevard. He was very inspirational, too, because he was like the first, one of the first Hispanics, if not the first Hispanic I ever seen, jump on a mic and rap. That's good. Yeah. Like, really dope. And I was like, damn. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Frost was always dope since back then. It was like, he was great to watch. And then his whole crew, because he had a crew of people that were dancers and everything. So it was like a show. You know what yeah. I mean? So he, he's one of the originals also. He, we we got, always got to give him his flowers uh, for what he done also. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, later when we came, basically the 1580K Day Mix Masters, I think we more revolutionized it too. You know, we, we, we also... We come out of that school with these guys, but we were our own group, the Mix Masters, uh, that which was uh, Tony G, Joe Cooley, M Walk, uh, Jammin' Gemini, myself, Julio G, then later on Battle Cat, DJ Ralph M, uh, DJ Aladdin, uh, Tracy, rest in peace, Romeo, um, and Henji. I mean, this, there's guys that were in the Mix Masters, you know what I mean? But but we had a moment where it was just like the five of us where we were just really, really killing that killing at that time of hip-hop you know what i mean on the radio so that's in the 80s you know what i mean so i'm you know people know me for west side radio in the 90s but i started as a youngster 17 years old in the 80s on 1580 k day which that's where easy e and them came and public enemy and dayla and big daddy kane and and ll and and you know the list goes on cool mo d and and uh, low profile, Rodney on Joe Cooley, uh, wow, uh, Dream Team, yeah, all them, all that stuff came out of that one AM radio station, hip hop um, royalty in the eighties, yeah, yeah. So, so like I said, yeah, I'm old school for sure. You know, I mean, I'm I'm one of the beginning people in the beginning of that, but I always do salute the guys that were before me in that in that. Like I always say, Uncle Jams, <clears throat> uh, Roger Clayton. You know what I mean? Um, Wrecking Crew, um, Dream Team, those guys like that. You know what I mean? Egyptian Lover. Bobcat, big, big fans of them. That's beautiful, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was just chopping it with Henji the other day. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's still plugged yeah, up with Ice-T and all them yeah, cats. Yeah, legendary, man. Yeah, we're Syndicate. talking about bringing, bringing uh, Ice-T over here, man. Well, that would be a That'd legendary be thing. Yeah, yeah man. he's got a lot, of, lot, lot of knowledge, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. And, and also, Henji has a lot to do with the Latin side, too. Like, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of Latin uh, records that got brought to the light from the early days, you know? Um, so I want to speak on... The moment that you got to get to, to K-Day and how, how you transitioned from backyard parties to 
the the AM radio? How did how did that um, even happen? Well, Tony was the one that discovered me. I would say he was the one that seen me DJ, and he said, "I want to put you into the mix masters." But when I was coming up, I, I didn't, you know, um, I I had listened. There was a tryout for the mix masters while I was still in high school, but I just didn't have the I just didn't have the courage enough to go for it. Like I didn't think I could do it. Like, oh man, I want to try out. Like. But I was like, man, I don't know if you can hang. I don't know if you can hang because, you know, it was just that it was the comp- the level of the bar was set pretty high, you know. And so I didn't end up doing that. Um, but before I got out of high school, this is in my senior year because I remember listening to the commercials about the tryout. In my senior, in my senior year of high school, uh, coincidentally, when I used to break dance, I, my mom, I was young, my mom would give me a ride to go to contests. So I won a few contests breakdancing. I was actually really good. I was very well known at the time out from, from my area. I would really go battle people. That's how I met Cypress Hill. I met them actually battling them. Wow. Uh, that's in high school. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so uh, my mom's, the guy, my mom's would take me to these contests. But the, the guy that did the first two contests that I won, he was beginning in his promoting career at that time. And so he was the one that told me when I won the first one, he said, come to this other dance. There's another contest. You know, later on, some years later, this guy, um, he's doing a show called the High Energy Show on 1580 K Day, which was all disco. It was all up tempo disco, but they would do it like Saturday nights after the clubs were let out. It was called the High Energy Show. So he was the one that told me, "Hey, you want to go to 1580 K Day? You guys want to roll me?" Because I knew his little brother, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, let me ask my mom's." It was my senior year, so she really wanted me to graduate. So I couldn't, I wasn't trying to mess around. I was like, oh man, I told my mom, I promise I'll go to school tomorrow. I want to just go just because it's 1580K day was such, you know what I mean? And then that's where I met Tony. He took me that first night and he introduced me to Tony G, which I looked up to. I was like, oh, I never met him. You know, back then there was no pictures. You didn't know what people looked like. Yeah. He was walking around for like 20 minutes. I I didn't know this guy was, because he didn't look like a DJ. Yeah. He was, he was musky, you know, big buff dude. And I was like, he must be a security or something over here. So. He was Tony G. And I was like, oh, shit, this is Tony G, man. So that's how we originally met. And we actually did a little battle in the, in the beginning <laughs> when I first met him. But he, he got off on me heavy, you know what I mean? Um, but it was cool. It was, it was, he told me, come back next week, man. Let's do it again. And so that's how we became friends. And then um, a few months later, he, he was at a party. I ran into him because I was DJing for somebody. And he says, uh, man, I want to make you a mix master. But I was like, man, but how? Like, I, you know, I thought I got to try out, you know what I mean? But he made it happen. He's like, look, I want this guy to be in the group. And and other guys all listened to Tony anyway, so they were like, okay, if you say, if you say you know, boom. And I became one of the mix masters September of 1986, uh, right out of high school. I just been out of high school since June. So from June to September, it was like, boom. It was just like, damn, I just became a hood celebrity. Damn. Back then, because you know, you were on the radio, like was DJing, like damn, I used to see you at backyard parties. You were on the radio at Saturday nights and Tuesday afternoons at the traffic jam, and you know, I was just, I was just kind of all over DJing, all over 1580 K so people would hear me a lot. So that was a, that was a fun time, and, and I learned that from Tony because he was the one that pulled me to the side and just he said, "Look, um, I want you to mix. I don't want you to cut that much." I want you to cut here and there, have a moment of it. But the rest of the time, I want you to focus on what your music that you're playing. I want you to focus on mixing. Mm. I want you to focus on getting in and out of records. 
Um, don't take too long to, on certain records. Get out of it. And then, you know, let certain ones play because they're this record. There's this they're this type of record. But this other one right here, just play a verse and then get out. That stuff I learned from him early and that when I got on 92.3 the beat later on my radio radio stuff, a lot of that I, I I put into the science of what I was doing was what I learned from him then, which was how to get in and out of certain records. Um, certain ones let him play. That in certain ones, you you know, you, you could flip it and do something really you can make the record even doper by playing one verse of it if you do it in between certain songs, and that's what he taught me. I learned that really from Tony. So I was a student, you know what I mean? I, every, I just stuck to Tony. Whatever Tony did, I was there next to him was just absorbing everything that he would say because he, he to me, was he to me to this day, he's the best DJ I've ever seen DJ. Wow. All the way around, from scratching to DJing a party. Like, I seen that guy DJ parties where I was, like, just blown away. Just like, damn, how did this guy go from... From that to that to like the four different genres of music in a matter of like 15 minutes. And all just on point. Like I would have never thought of mixing those two records together. He was great at that. That guy's ear is incredible when it comes to music. So I'm, I'm basically a student of Tony G. I always will say that. Man, shout out to Tony G. Yeah. I, I felt so honored when he followed me and, and when he started like showing support and actually tapping in and commenting and like showing love mm -hmm. on my post. Man, I, I literally show my family like you guys don't even understand the legendary status that this dude is. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like people. And he's like, he's very much. he's very supportive though. He's always been like that with artists and yeah. with people. He just um he's just like that. He's just he's just a very supportive person of people. He supports people that he sees doing certain stuff, even whatever level they're at. He'll still support it. Like he's he knows they'll get better, or you know he just he's always been like that. Especially me and anybody I've seen around me, he's always he if he could teach you something, he'll teach you something on a computer. He he don't you know he don't hog the information. He's like, oh, you know how to do that? Oh, I got you, bro. Look, just do it like this, man. Why you waste your time doing that? You just do it this way, bro. That's oh right. man, and so many people are like, oh, I didn't know that, Tony. Like, I wasted my money. I don't waste your money on that. Do it this way, bro. Look, boom, boom. and you know he don't have to give up that information, mm -hmm. but he always. Always has been that kind of person, so I got number love for Tony G, man. That speaks on his confidence of his craft. I for mean, sure, he, he don't have no fear. Like not anybody bro. could have this game no, wrong with he it. He doesn't. Have and I'm not worried about it because I can still smash him. Yeah, he I got do. it. He, he ain't tripping, bro. That's love. He ain't tripping. He's just always been like that. Yeah, for That's sure. That's a real boss right there, man. Shout yeah. out Tony G, man. Legendary for, for the coast and for our culture, straight yeah. up. Um, so little did you know, you had you turn into you 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 say that you had the self realization that you turn into the hood celebrity overnight. But little did you know that you had your pulse and your crew had the pulse on the finger of, the, sure. of the West Coast, of the, of the heartbeat of the yeah. West Coast. Because what you guys in actuality were doing was giving opportunity to the hottest artists that you guys were making the mm -hmm. hottest artists by giving them the platform, pumping up their music, speaking highly about it. Everybody was listening to you guys to hear what's the next hot, hot shit, right? Yep. So now what happened in, in actuality over time was people start trying to make music to emulate what you guys would like. What, what would Julio G play on his radio show? Now people are going to studios, cutting records to, to what you're playing on the radio. That's power, brother. Yeah, it is. That's it is. a lot of power. And we were like, you know, <clears throat> okay, so you got to like understand, like, we were the first that did that type of radio anywhere in the country. Wow. Because when you see East Coast, you know, yeah, they had some hip hop on East Coast radio, but it was all East Coast. It was just their music. You know, we were the ones that started to play all music. We created that. Like, New York only played New York. Let's get it straight. So yeah. in, the, in the 80s, yeah, that's all they played. You know what I mean? 
And there wasn't like everybody was playing hip hop either. We were playing it 24-7. It was like the whole station 24 hours a day. I mean, you have heard some R&B records too, but it was it was a lot of rap. You know what I mean? It was a lot of hip hop. But that came from us. You know what I mean? You heard from Two Live Crew to Kumo D to Rodney on Joe Cooley to, to like, you know, just we would take it all the way across the board. You know what I mean? And then on the, when it came to the West Coast, there was no like major labels Nobody was signing major labels on the West Coast. If you ever look back in the history of hip hop, and you go back, you know, King T was independent. Easy E was really independent when he started. He wasn't with Macola. Even Macola wasn't even a major label. That was just a distribution company. Yeah. And then Priority later wasn't even a major label either. That was just a kind of a major in a way, but they weren't a major label like that. You know what I mean? So, you know, Rodney on Joe Cooley was independent. The Dream Team was independent. Egyptian Lover was independent. Um, you know, so everybody, so we we as DJs from LA, even though we were playing like LL Cool J, Cool Mo D, and they they were on on Jive, Def Jam, all the East Coast DJ rappers, they were on major labels. So, but we as the Mixmasters, we put the West Coast in it. Like we didn't let that. You know, we made Rodney O. Happened in between Kumo D, even though Kumo D was on Jive Records and Rodney O was on Egyptian Empire, we made it sound like he was like popping just as much as Kumo D. You know what I mean? So that's another thing that a lot of people don't understand that we did in the '80s, which is we blew up the West Coast basically ourselves independently. Cause like, think about that today. Imagine if Power 106 today would just only be playing independent Chicano rappers, Hispanic. Think about it. Like, it's it's like oh you you just what they would you know what I mean that's why I say when we were doing that that was very innovative at the time yeah. like you know that was like who does that you know what I mean nobody who would have took a risk on Rodney O who would have took a risk on NWA who would have took a risk on all these artists King T and CMW and all that was independent you know what I mean but we got it off somehow to make it seem like they were just as big as the East Coast dudes you know what I mean so and they later on. Everybody, you know, it worked out for everybody later on, but at the time of the '80s, all the West Coast artists pretty much were independent. And not you know? only that, but then they had the, the the on the East Coast they're making foreign records, and over here we're making cop killers, mm -hmm. fuck the police. I mean, it's colors. a whole different colors. It's a whole different fucking energy. So yeah. this was a lot more controversial music. Yeah, it was not as as friendly to push mainstream. So right. you guys had a, a chip stacked against you. Yeah, yeah, say. for yeah. sure. But I mean, we still found the records. You know what I mean? It was just finding the right records. You know, Breeze had a big record on K Day called L.A. Posse. That was big record. Um, Dub C Low Profile when they came, pay your dues. That shit was hard. Big record. You know what I mean? Um, Everlasting bass, huge, huge record at the time. Huge. So that wouldn't hard. go away. That record, that record was so big. And then, um, and then you had even Easy. Easy came with radio, and Easy does it. So it wasn't that that bad. They knew how to get it in there, but but yeah, it was the rest of it was the very street. Yeah, yeah. there was very street. So they were trying to find ways to make those types of records. Um, you know, life is too short and things like that came later. But but you know, it was a little bit more of an uphill battle. Because back then, people just didn't respect the West Coast rap. Because it was about emceeing and, and lyrics and, and, you know, that whole New York thing. Because it started from there, so everybody didn't understand what, what we were doing on the West Coast. It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't lyrical. It wasn't about that. It was more of an attitude. 
and more of a slang. You know what I mean? More of a, uh, it, it was, like I said, it wasn't so broken down, dynamic, theoretical, mythical, man, alphabetical. It wasn't that. It wasn't, check this out, homie. Came down the block. More simple. Yeah. Simplified to get to you. To you, you know what I mean. So that's why I mean it was wasn't so coded like that. You know what I mean. So people didn't really understand that about the West Coast. I did, because I come from the community, so it was different for me. And that's why West Side Radio later, I was able to do what I did with West Side Radio because of that reason. Because I understood the music, everybody else really didn't. You know what I mean. So, um, but that came from the eighties. You know what I mean. We knew we had we had a we were kind of doing West Side Radio back then. We had to put our people on. You know what yeah. I mean. So that's what those are good times though. Those are good times. Uh, uh, you know. I'll never forget those times. We, had, we, we, didn't, we didn't really make a lot of money doing it. We was just hood stars. We made money in the streets yeah. doing clubs and parties and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So it was love, man. Usually your first opportunities, I could speak for myself, usually they're the platform to spring springboard to the next level. They're not mm-hmm. usually, they look like they're, they're the ones, like I even chop it up with Daniel Rodriguez from the UFC and uh, T-City, Brian, Brian Ortega, and they're like, Bro, I was fighting in the UFC and couldn't even afford a pair of J's. Like, yeah. people think some of these things are, like, a lot more shine than it takes. Like, that's the opportunity. You get mm-hmm. in. Now kick ass. Now mm-hmm. smash and smash four, five, six, seven fights in a row yeah. until you become a champion, until you could get that. So sure. not a lot of people just think, like, as soon as you get in the movie, you're a millionaire. As soon yeah. as you're on the radio, it's like yeah. it's over. Your yeah. life changed. No. It don't work like that. No, not at all. So, so K-Day was obviously a legendary radio station. Yeah. When I was starting to come up as a kid, I remember hearing about it, but I didn't get to experience it. Yeah. What I got to experience was the 92.3s, yeah. the beats, the, the Power 106s. But I always heard about it. You heard Ice Cube and like uh, these cats rapping about it or like people paying homage to it. Like if it was still yeah. like legendary or something that, that. So I, my ears were up like, what is this K-Day shit, right? So eventually you went from AM to FM and then K-Day came back mm-hmm. eventually. What was the transition going from AM to FM? How was that impacting your life, and how did that change everything as as far as what you were doing? Well, I mean, in the 80s, I mean, when we were doing the AM thing, um, we were all just young kids, you know what I mean? We we didn't really... A lot of people, like, look at hip-hop today, and they look back and think, like, like, back then we knew it was going to be what it is today. We didn't know that. We were just... All right, there's a party on Saturday. They want us to DJ. Okay, so it's just another party on Saturday. We weren't thinking like, hey, man, 10 years from now? Oh, this is going to be this. Oh, 20 years from now? Oh, man. we At all, nobody was. We were all just we doing the next thing that said somebody wants to do because a lot of people didn't want to do hip-hop. They didn't want to. Hip-hop wasn't in Hollywood. You know, you hear kids today, they're lucky. They get to go DJ in Hollywood. I had a DJ in the hood. Because the Hollywood didn't play rap. They were none of it. 14 Gardens, none of that. They didn't out of here with that. You wanted to see hip-hop, you had to go to South Central. You had to go to, if you watched the NWA movie, you had to go to Skateland USA. Those were our dances. In that movie, that's the movie, that's our dance that yeah. they're at. You know what I mean? So then you had to go to World on Wheels, or you had to go to Casa Camino Real, wherever we would kind of go in, in L.A., you know, that's... That's what we were doing just just to bring the hip hop because, like I said, it wasn't like what people think today is also crossed over in that way. It was just it was very small in that way, you know what I mean. But it had a a lot of people that loved it, so we were lucky to be able to do these dances. So it was a little bit different, you know, the '80s and going into the '90s. Well, when I left that station, we all left that station, but we all went into producing records, 
And then we kind of had gotten off the radio thing because we all kind of got a bad taste in our mouth about how we left. So it wasn't like we were. Um, before they got the Baker Boys for Power 106, they had called me. And I told them no. I was like, I'm cool, man. But I like the Baker Boys. I already had knew them. We That came up through us. I was like, you should talk to them. You know what I mean? Like, I'm cool. I'm I'm producing records and I'm touring from time to time. I don't care about the radio. I don't. I didn't. Care. I didn't even care about it when they called me. I wasn't even excited. Oh man, Power One Hundred Six. I was like, yeah, whatever. Not to diss them. I'm not saying that they're they're nothing. I'm just saying in the sense where your mind we were, state we, was. Yeah, mind state. We were really in the radio. We were trying to produce records now, man. I'm cool. You're in the I'm studio cool. now. Yeah, I'm in the studio now. Man. I ain't yeah. tripping, right? So. That's kind of what happened. We kind of just kind of got out of that after that. And then it wasn't until Easy e came, and then he was like, I want to do this Ruthless Radio show. Y- y'all need to come back on the radio. Wow. And so that's that's what kind of got us. And he kind of pushed us, because we weren't even like, oh, yeah, Easy, we want to be back on the radio. He was like, oh, I don't know about this, bro. Uh, we, we were like that. He's like, hell no, come on, man. We're going to call the Ruthless Radio show. We're going to do this. and whoa, whoa. So that's how we got back on in the 90s but it was kind of like we had to kind of reinvent ourselves again and kind of prove ourselves again because we had been gone from the radio for a minute and even though these stations that came later were really influenced by us because 1580k they basically when you say the beat or power 106 that's what they it was influenced by that whether they know that or not you know when the baker boys went to power 106 they came through 1580k day because they used to come watch us that's how i know them we brought them to la so they came through Tony G and myself. A lot of people don't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, people don't know that the Baker Boys came through us. That's why if you see them produced on the first uh, uh, Kid Frost album, there are some songs produced by the Baker Boys because we were all hanging together. I see. And that's how they would come from Bakersfield. And, that, you know, when they got on the radio, they did their thing. Cool. You know what I mean? So, so you know, it wasn't too easy. Pushed us and said, "Come on, let's go. Uh, let's go do this." You know what I mean? And, and then we we came back. But like I said, we had to kind of reinvent ourselves and, and just you know, boom. This is a different. It's FM, and now the Baker Boys are hot. You know, Theo's doing his thing. It's like there's competition a little bit out here. This ain't the same 1580K day. It was just us doing hip hop. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it was a little more competitive. So I had to readjust and just figure it out. You know, but. Um, but yeah, that's how we, I ended up getting into the nineties and to ninety two point three the beat came later. That was through Easy E. You rest, started with the Ru- Ruthless Radio. Ruthless Radio show, yeah. That was that was legendary. Yeah. Saturday nights, mm-hmm. six to nine PM if I remember correctly. Six to nine, yeah. Six <laughs> to nine. <laughs> yeah, I grew up on that shit. That was that was my favorite, like like I was telling my people, like I was so excited to have you here because I was like, people look forward to WrestleMania. My brother was into baseball. Yeah. All my people, I, I'm a musician, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I was fucking into that ruthless radio shit was yeah. my shit. I didn't care. If I didn't get to hear it, I was a little ass boy. Yeah. If I didn't get to hear it, I'd probably cry on the weekends. Yeah, yeah, like straight yeah. up, that's how much I love that shit. Easy E was ahead of his time, man. He just, uh, he, he did that because he wanted to buy a radio station in Arizona. And he wanted to understand the inner workings of 92.3 The Beat. Yeah. So he wanted to... He wanted to do a radio show because you, you got to remember he was the first rapper that ever done that to start a radio show. Everybody else copied that after that, but that was him. He's, he's the first one that jumped on the radio, which he didn't know how to do radio. He just would barely even talk. I kind of put the show together for him. You know, I would produce the show, basically. For sure. And, but he would know how to talk here and there. Well, well, cool. We got through it. But for him, he wanted to buy a station in Arizona and call it KEZE. And that was his thing. He was going to move us all to Arizona eventually, and we was going to do it from there. 
And, uh, but he wanted to understand how the inner workings worked at 92.3. So he was like, okay, I'm going to do a radio show. And he wanted to break Bone Thugs and Harmony. So he wanted his own radio show because he would play like Bone Thugs and Harmony every hour mm -hmm. of the three hours I every remember. Saturday. And nobody really understood that. But he broke Thuggish Ruggish Bone from, from <clears> the Ruthless Radio Show. Straight up. So he's a, he was a, he was easy, was a very smart guy. I learned a lot from him, you know, at the time and when I got older after he passed. When you get older, you get wiser, and you look back on moves and think, damn, that what a move that dude did. Didn't think about it like that when I was younger. Now that I'm older, I realize that was genius. Gems. Oh, gems, bro. That guy was, he knew how to promote, and he knew how to maximize the situation. You know what I mean? So he was, like I said, learning the game, breaking bone, <laughs> and he's on the radio in L.A. Death Row's popping, so is he. You know, so it was, he was a smart guy, man. Very, rest in peace to Easy. But he was the one that, that talked to us, like I said, put us back on the radio. And, and, and he didn't last, it didn't last long because we did the show in July of 94. 4th of July weekend of 94, we did that show, Ruthless Radio. And he, he stopped before he we went to the hospital, was in January of 95. Wow. So it was about six, seven months that we had that show. You know what I mean? So, but at the time of six, seven months, we did a lot of impact. Oh, it was crazy. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Because honestly, I, I felt like the way I remember it, I mean, you're, you're a kid. Your perception of time is so so yeah. different. But it just felt like it was my whole childhood. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I, I just remember, like, after cartoons, that's all I gave a fuck about. Yeah, you know? and, it was summertime, <laughs> and it was summertime, and, yeah. you know, the, the sun was out late. You know what yeah. I mean? So it was like Saturday nights is the perfect time, 6 to 9. And, and then we were doing, Yellow would do the old funk. And then, you know, Easy would have his little piece, and then I would mix. And so we had a little bit of everything going on at one time in three hours, and then the wake-up show would come on after us. So it was a nice lineup, you know what I mean, for that Saturday night. So that worked very well for them at, at 92.3 The Beat. And, and and to highlight this properly, because people, people wouldn't know this unless you actually listen to the shit, I never took it as just Easy Show. It was Ruthless Radio, but it was Easy and Julio G. Like, yeah, that's yeah. the way it was presented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't ever remember just Because I did a easy. lot of stuff on that. Like I said, I produced a lot of the show behind yeah. the scenes. You yeah, know what straight I mean? up. Like, all it was the your, your guys' show. Yeah, like, it was like 50 50. Like, that's how it was presented to yeah, the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how we used to record it, too. It was yeah. just, uh, he would come to the house and we would do the radio drops. We'd do the commercials together, you know, because he didn't know radio. Yeah. He was just like, Man, look, what we got to do? I said, look, man, we got to do this right here. For this 10 minutes, we're going to do this right here. When we go to commercials, we're going to come back. You're going to talk, play this song. So I kind of would kind of pace it out for him. So he would just show up and sit down and be like, all right, just give me the list of what I got to do. And that was kind of it, you know what I mean? So he trusted us, you know what I mean? Because he knew that we knew the radio game. And and, and I knew music. And Tony, knew, we, we knew music. So, um, you know, he, he trusted us. So, so that's how the Ruthless Radio Show got going. Wow, that's, easy, guys, that yeah. speaks on the, the the level of his his mind state and how ahead he was. His his uh, competition at the time were under another label, uh, dissing him and going at him. He's like, okay, these cats could diss me. I'm gonna I'm gonna just focus on building a whole brand to the point where these cats are trying to get on the radio. I'm gonna own I'm the station. Yeah, that's I'm that's, that's, the station. He that's, was level. Wow. Yeah, he that, was that's, he was <laughs> he was working on um like. Just some of the stuff that he was working on. When I would hang out with Easy, we we jump in the car together. He 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 used to love to hang out with me. Like he hung out with Tony at the studio because we would work together in the studio. But he was he would hang with me in the studio. But then he would kick it out of the studio with me. Like yeah. he want to call me, pick me up. Come on, man, what you doing? None. We just at the house. I'm gonna come by and pick you up. Let's go. We're gonna. We you would never know what you're gonna do with the guy because he was just doing so much. So at the time he passed away, he was working on the video game, which later. 
people seeing Grand Theft Auto and all that. You know what I mean? That was basically what he was working on back then. Damn. So he was ahead of his time. Like, I, and I remember thinking, like, video game. Man, what's this dude talking about? Like, Easy would say stuff like that that you make you think, like, what is this guy talking about? Like, you gonna do what? Like, and then, you know, five, ten years later, something came out like that and it was successful. And I thought to myself, damn, Easy was it. I, I was stupid. I'm the dummy. I didn't see the vision. So, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, when you're younger, you don't know that till you get older and you look back yeah. and think, damn, man, I was sitting around a genius, man. This guy was so ahead of his time. So, and it was really genius, the, the idea he had for that video game. You know what I mean? So, it had lowriders and it was ended up at the lowrider super show. And yeah, I mean, the guy's mind was, was like that. So, he had that going on. And uh, this is around the same time. He picks me up one day and he goes, we're going to El Segundo. I'm, I'm going to meet with these people. I want you to roll with me. I was like, all right, cool. We show up at this place and they have all this technology, man, that i never seen. This is in 94. And so we go in his room and he goes, look at this TV. And that was the first time I seen a TV that was that wide. Like, you know, like what we see was normal to us today. Yeah. And that was in 94. I seen like a huge one. And I was like, damn, easy. What the fuck? I ain't never seen nothing like this. Wow. So at that time he was working at, on a on a ruthless uh, sound system for cars. So he was doing the speakers, the radio, and he was taking me because he wanted me to do me and Tony to do a turntable and mixer series wow. with these people. Now that sounds crazy back then, but now when you look at it today, I was like, damn, this guy was ahead of his time. Killing me. Killing. Not just the music. I want to sell you what you listen to the music on, and I want to make the bass speaker so <laughs> made for the bottom end. Yeah. That was his whole thing. I needed to make a, a certain sound. It needs to be the bottom end. Because the beat, you know, he was already all into the car. So, yeah, easy E, rest in peace, man. It was a lot of fun to be around, and, and I learned a lot from him, man. You know, just just his, the way he thought. You know what I mean? I, I really wish he would have... He would have stayed around, man, because I think he would have just been, you know, just I think he just would have been on a whole another level, man. Like something that people would have never even understood. He was just ahead of his time for sure. He was a problem to the industry. Yeah, he definitely. Yeah. He definitely. People like that are feared by, yeah, by people yeah. in positions of power because they're they're they have they're fearless. And they're going to do whatever it takes to get there. And, and it doesn't have to be like most people think strong-armed or, or in a gang-related yeah. state. It's just the mind state, like you're saying. They're yeah. so, they're, their vision is so dangerous to the next man's. And then that's the man that doesn't. They're not like the, two, the, the, the Tony G's where they have the confidence. They're like, fuck, hide everything, put everything yeah. away. This man's going to take our secrets yeah. and run with this shit yeah. and kill us, you know? Yeah. So yeah. That, I think that's the type of people that... Uh, you know that 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 was averagely out at that time. So for him to be able to make it that far in that type of a, a climate, I think is fucking amazing. Easy E used to have this thing that I I, I really like learned that from him and under like kind of understood the way he thought. He he was a kind of person that he wanted to talk to people. You know how artists like like ah oh, like I gotta step out in the crowd and. You know, I got to get to the van and, you know, the crowd, you know, security pass. The Hollywood side. That wasn't easy. Easy was like, where the people at? Open that door. Hey, what's up? Hell yeah. What's happening? And they were easy. Easy. And one by one. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. And he sit there and he be, what's your name? Boom, boom. But you know what he would do? He would give everybody his business card. That's hard. With his number on it. And he had a pager. And his pager would go off. I mean, it was one month he told me that the pager company was going to cut him off and he was arguing with them because he had got like 
80,000 or 100,000 pages in a month. Damn. In a month. That's crazy. And they were like, yo, dude, like, you killed Easy was son. going viral on the pages. He was. Because <laughs> he would, and then he would go to 92.3 The Beat, and he would use their phone and start calling numbers back. Hello, it's Eric. Call me back. And and that's just the way he was. He 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 told me one day, we were at a uh, California pizza kitchen. It's myself, Easy, and my daughter. And um, we was eating. She was like five years old. And uh, the girls came. Oh, easy eating. He's like, here goes my car. We got the Ruthless Radio Show. Do you know who this is right here? This is Julio G. And so when the girls left, he like, hey, man, you ain't got your cards on you? I'm like, nah, I ain't, I ain't got a couple of them. Man, you got to have your cards on you, man. You got to tell people who you are, man. Like, that was his, I had to understand that. He's like, wait a minute. I thought celebrities, y'all supposed to not do that. I thought, no, not for Easy. Easy was the opposite of that. He wanted to talk. Never, ever seen him turn down an autograph. Never. Not, I don't care if some person was across the street. He'd be like, hold on. Walk all the way over. People person. All the way, man. I never seen an artist like him, like, just be so, so like that. That's why they loved him everywhere. He went, he used to love the Hispanics. He used to tell me all the time, damn that man. The Hispanics, man, they love me. He used to tell me back then, they love me. Man, they buy my music. So he always had this thing about, that's why he wanted to sign Frost. That's what happened when we went to the Ruthless, I mean, to when we started the Ruthless radio show, the, the radio station situation was after he gave us a deal for Kid Frost and got us out of the Virgin deal that we were stuck in for a minute. He went and got Jerry Heller. Jerry called him, got us out of the deal, gave us another $50,000 to record a couple more songs, put some money in our pocket, put some money in Frost's pocket, then said, hey, let's go do a radio show. That's the kind of person he was. He put some dollars in our pocket before he even said, oh, hey, by the way, I'm going to give you some more money. Come do this radio show with me. That's hard. Yeah, yeah, he saved us, man. I, I appreciate it. We wouldn't have had that album, Smile Now, Die Later, if Easy wouldn't have got us out that deal. That album had been sitting at Virgin for like a year and a half, we couldn't do nothing with it. We were just just in a just in a thing with them, and he was the one that came through and took care of it. Like in about a week, two weeks, man, Hell I yeah. get you out the deal. Don't even worry about it. We got you. And so that I love Eric for that. And then later on, he asked us, "Will we produce Brownside?" And like I said, once again, he was with the Hispanic thing, and then we were going to do Nino Brown, and all. we had deals for everybody. So he was really into the the. I, he never said it. it was Chicano to him. It was just. He just liked the Mexicans. That's he up. just wanted to make the music. Like he knew that they were there. He understood and LA. He understood LA. He yeah. just they need their voice. You know what I mean? What would I gotta do? I got the label. Let's do this. It was popping. Tony G, Julio G, who better than to do what you got? Bring them down. Let's do it. Hell yeah. So that was that was his thing. So so uh yeah, he was ahead of his time as a guy, man. Yeah, he understood the climate of the of the city. And I think that if if someone would have understood early like him and put it on, like like look what Drake did with them and them, I really do believe that that was a missing piece of the culture, but it was meant to be that way because mm -hmm. they birthed a whole culture called Chicano rap mm -hmm. and everybody got out the mud their, their own way and it created a whole new sound, a whole thing of independent artists that didn't have to depend on labels or a co-sign. Mm -hmm. So it actually was a blessing in disguise, but I could say one thing, and I'm speaking on experience growing up in any neighborhood that I ever grew up in was 1,000% dominated by homies, you know? And I remember very clearly, even as a youngster, like, when that whole death row, uh, ruthless beef was cracking, like the climate and any low low I was in and any circle smoking and drinking with the homies, anything was like, yeah, Snoop and Drake cool. Like they were popping, popping all yeah. over MTV and everything. Yeah. But 
the the word was like, nah, we fuck with Fooly, easy. Yeah, yeah. Nah, fuck it was, that. It was like this that. Is the back G shit right it here. was. It yeah, was like it that. It is so, what it was, you know. Yeah, he, but he knew how to play off both ends of it, man. That's why, like I said, the guy was um, he was just really smart at knowing how to maximize the situation. He knew how to maximize that beef. It wasn't as deep as people may have thought sometimes, but between him and Dre, but he made it like that. Like he. He liked that. That was part of the whole thing. It was part of what it is. And so I, that, that's something that I learned from that guy and, and to understand the way he thought. He was ahead of his time. I think he kind of was the blueprint of how to even put street music out and how to go about it and how to play off of it and how to take advantage of a beef. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. he's a record label owner. That's that's he's a businessman. That's man. his job. That's yeah. his job. That's yeah. his job. So that's what that's why he was he was ahead of his time, man, for sure. Hell yeah. And, and speaking of that ruthless radio, and the reason why we laugh when you're saying that that they they premiered Boney and broke him, I was just speaking to Lazy the other day, like yesterday, as a matter of fact, and we're chopping it up because we got a new single and we're gonna shoot a video, and he's asking me to uh, shoot a video for his new album. Mm -hmm. That's that's the homie. Like anything they need from me, I'm gonna do it twice. So I literally text him back. He's like, I need a video from you and your team. I'm like, bro, we got you twice. Like, I got you with two, shoot me two singles, we're going to start the treatment, right? Yeah. But I was telling the homies, like, you don't understand just, like, how it feels like my life's changed. Like, I'm sitting here being able to chop it up with Julio G and be like, hey, what day are you going to pull up? Lazy Bone, just chop it up with me. Like, hey, uh, I need a video. And, yeah, let's shoot this video and I'm going to pull up to the podcast. Like, to me, that's life-changing and that's a dream come true for me yeah. because I was a little boy listening to all this. And we laughed because I just told my family last night, like, I remember, like, yesterday... Ruthless Radio, and I remember being that, me, being the kid that was kind of street famous in my little era just because I fucking recorded the song when nobody else had it. So mm -hmm. I remember catching the, the night that Easy was promoting, like, I got this new group, they're from Cleveland, we got them, we got the exclusive. I remember the introduction, still to this day, it echoes in my head because it was so big and how it was pumped up and how he talked it up, and then he went to a commercial and then came back, it was like, he was teasing us, and then he played that shit, and it was thuggish, ruggish, bone, yeah. and it, it was so hypnotic, and it was so Different. different and it was so like just fucking as a kid i just remember playing that tape over and over and over and over that night and couldn't wait to get in my headphones and, and, and take it on the bus on my walkman and just show all my friends like listen to shit listen and everybody and i remember like going to juice now i'm talking fifth grade yeah. now i'm talking about seventh eighth ninth grade now i'm a board in the state in and out of jail all this but every time running to a homie in a hood party anything like hey fool i remember when you were showing us bone before anybody <laughs> knew that shit before they were on mtv so i had that 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 yeah that early skill. yes yeah. i run into people to this day from my childhood and be like fool I knew you were gonna be a rapper I remember when you showed me Bone before anybody knew who the fuck they yeah, were and you knew crazy. all the lyrics you know that's so crazy yeah, that's because, uh, go back yeah because you know at the time I mean the only people that were playing it was Easy e yeah. so let me tell you something crazy about that yeah uh, a crazy story about that Thuggish Royce Bone Easy when he came to our studio in El Monte um, he played us Bone and that was the night that I actually played him Smile Now Die Later from Kid Frost and that's what made him want to sign it, right? So I played it for him that night. And he says, hey, I want y'all to check out this group I got. So he plays, because we had nice speakers in the studio. He's like, play Stuggish Ruggish Bone. And I knew it was different because I had never heard nobody double time style. But I knew what it was, what they were doing. I knew, but I just had never heard something that slow too so it's so because another thing it's normal to people when you're listening to it today but at the time it came out them records were slow, the beats were slow as fuck. in hip-hop yeah they weren't doing slow beats like that back then mm -hmm. not that slow not no 70s you know what i mean mm -hmm. and so i didn't hear it 
I didn't hear it from the beginning. I was like, eh, it's all right. That's what you got? Mm. So when the radio show started, Easy would play it, and we'd be like, oh, he going to play that again. That shit again. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. See, I can tell you the truth. I ain't going to lie to you. I'm going to give it a fuck yeah. with you. That's right. So to, to trip this out. So, so uh, Easy was like, man, you don't even know what you're talking about, Julio G. Right, what, you, you'll see. So when the EP came out, he used to call me. This is a true story. This motherfucker would call me. Like, I forgot if it was... It to, whatever day it was when they counted the numbers, he would call me that day. He called me. It hey, was up, man. I said, "Yeah, what's up, hey man?" Bound at two hundred fifty thousand. They had an EP, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, for real? Damn, that's good, dog. Shit, you know, so maybe because your name is on it." No, I used to, I used to fuck with Easy. Like we would, book, you know, we would clown on each other. Yeah. So I'm like fucking with him. I'm like, yeah, well, maybe it's because you put your picture on the cover, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, all right, motherfucker. So the next week, they kiss me. Hey, what's up, man? What's going on, E? It's like, shit, man. Nothing. Yeah, shit. Bone just did 375000 this week. What? Damn, bro. So the next time he calls me, it's going gold. So I'm like... I motherfucker, sorry about that, man. I didn't hear the fucking song, man. My bad, bro. Jesus yeah. Christ. So the day that I was telling you that we went to that California pizza kitchen, we were in the car, in his car, myself, my daughter, and him. And Power 106 is playing thuggish, ruggish bone while we're in the car. And we're driving to Arcadia Mall. And I say, hey, easy, man. All bullshit aside, man. How'd you hear that? He goes, man. I knew I had heard nothing like it. I knew it was different when I heard it. I just knew it was it. Because nobody had ever done that shit. And that's why that guy was ahead of his time. Because if you think about it, I mean, this is after Dr. Dre left. It ain't like he needed Dr. Dre. That had nothing to do with Dr. Dre. That record ended up selling like 10 million albums, that first full album, the East 1999 Eternal album. You know what I mean? So... He knew what he had. It's just, and I remember when he told me the album was done, this is after the EP, and he told me this album is going to be a classic. And then once again, I'm clowning. I'm like, all right, Eric, a classic? Come on, man. <laughs> you just got a little EP off now. So we over fuck with him. We're like, all right, you going to see. And then he ended up passing away, and then that record came out, and boom, and then Crossroads came out, and they <laughs> took the record to that album to another whole level. So he he knew that they were some he knew that there was something about them because they didn't sound like anybody. And he took he told me when that same day he told me I'd rather take a risk doing something different than copying everybody else. I don't want to do what other people do. I, he, and he told me cocaine. He said I took a risk with cocaine. It might not have gotten all the way off. But I'd rather do something different because cocaine was different. And that, different. That I want to do that. I want to do different things. I don't want to do what these other little labels be doing, copying the next dude, whoever's hot. I ain't trying to do that. So that's why I say the guy was ahead of his time, man. And 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 he was right about Bone. You know, he wouldn't let me live it down for sure. Man, Bone Bone was like a like a hurricane in the streets. Oh, I remember God. I remember having that moment where I, where I recorded on Ruthless Radio. The EP was creeping on a come up. Yep. And on the back, if you flipped it over, on the white, the the whole writing was like in red, but on the white bottom, it had Easy, his name, uh, executive produced yeah, by, yeah. huge. Yeah. So he was like, he was claiming that shit. Yeah. And then I remember like a year later, maybe not a year later, maybe like eight months later, uh, I was with my brother in Pasadena. He had a, he had a crib in Pasadena or an apartment. 
and uh, I was being babysat because my mom was in between like boyfriends and shit. And uh, I was staying the weekend, and we went out to Old Town Pasadena, and there was a record store. And I saw I didn't even know the shit came out because mm. back then there's no social. No, media. yeah, I'm a no. kid. We don't have cable TV. And I was like, oh shit, that's that group. And I just begged my brother, Can I please have that tape. It was East 1999. Oh man, man, I remember they went out to the club or something with his Incredible. girlfriend. Incredible. I played that shit, and he came back in the door like three, four in the morning. He goes, what the fuck? You still awake? I go, I must have heard that shit like twenty times by then. I must have known, or like the half the album already. Man, I, that album really got me. That that whole, like I said. In the beginning, I didn't catch me, but yeah. then eventually they did. You know what I mean? But but that album, man, he was so right when he told Hypnotic me that. It coming. It was just, it was. I still to this day, I'll listen to that record and still enjoy it like that because it was just and the Art of War, the double CD. I love that one too. But that's just hard. Yeah, he, yeah. That Easy was ahead of his time, man. He he, he knew he had some with Bone, man. That they they uh. Then this to this, they changed the way hip hop goes. It slowed hip hop down and double timed it, and everybody has that burst so many styles at this point. You know what I mean? That came from Easy E. I mean, the biggest, the biggest selling groups, arguably, arguably of the last thirty years, yeah. is Bone Thugs and Migos. Yeah, for and sure. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Migos wouldn't not have their flow yeah, if it wasn't for, sure. for their, their burst. For sure, you know what I'm saying? For sure. Oh, hell yeah, man! Shout out to everybody uh, that was part of that whole era, man. It's a, a great times. A beautiful golden uh, moment of hip hop that could never be replaced, and it's just nothing the same no more. But I'm glad that I lived it. Hell yeah, hell as, a, yeah. as a fan too. Um, in those times and everything that you were experiencing at that time, what was your actual most memorable studio session that you were in? That you were like, man, this is the shit, or, or that you look back now? I've had a say. few. I've had a few. I mean, I remember one time. I remember being in the studio with Rick James, rest in peace. When we did, um, we did a uh, Mary Jane for the Smile Not Die Later album, Kid Frost's album. We actually had him come in and do the singing part. Damn. Yeah, and. Um, that was I was mind blown by that because my first concert that I went to as a kid when I was 13 was Rick James headlining um, a Zap. It wasn't even Roger Troutman back then. It was just Zap and the Gap Band. So f to be a kid and then years later I'm in a studio with the dude. I mean, it was that was that was something I'll never forget. And then um, I remember being in the studio also with Roger Troutman um, doing some. Um, the drop. The drop for the Ruthless yeah, Radio Yeah, I remember show. that shit. Yeah, the drop for the Ruthless he Radio You said your show. name in it, dog. Yeah, he said all of our... And you know, I'll tell you something crazy about it. Um, uh, he did it in one take. That guy, that guy, Roger Troutman. I knew Roger Troutman already um, because of Mellow Man Ace. When I was touring with him, we would do shows together with him. He had jumped on our tour bus one day. Or I might have jumped on his, I'm sorry. And I brought the SB-1200, and I explained to him how sampling works. Because he didn't know what sample... He didn't understood what sampling was, but he wanted to see me sample his stuff. Like, show me how they sample in it, man. Like, So I showed him on a drum machine. He That's was hard. just blown away by that. So I knew him already from that. Um, and we had a mutual friend, too. So we kind of knew Roger already. But Easy, he was doing a summer jam, and... Um, and uh, Roger was playing, and he so he got Roger to come to the studio. And I remember he called me, and he was like, "He said, come down here, man. Uh, I got Roger. <laughs> I paid Roger to do a song, and uh, and that was uh, I'm trying to find it actually. Let me see if I can get it. Let's see. Oh shit, you got you got the exclusive. Side radio, today. Radio. It's my favorite show, yeah. 
We did this in one take. Yeah, that was a that was a that was Roger. He did that in one take. That one that that all right there was in one take. Damn. And Easy just wrote this on a piece of paper. He wrote our names down, and that's why he's kind of like, yeah, he's just kind of just doing it. And I'll never forget that because I was standing right there. But the crazy part about it was when he was done, because he told Tony to loop up the more bounce. Tony G, uh, loop that up, man, and give me a boom. And he just did it real quick. But when he got off there, he grabbed the guitar. And just started getting off on the guitar, and he was like, a, 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 to me, I think I think he's a more incredible guitar player. Wow. Oh, he blew my mind, man, Roger, that day the way he grabbed fun. that guitar. Yeah, it was it was it was amazing to be. Those those two moments stand out a lot, and um, I have a lot of moments like with Kid Frost. We've done some stuff, and you know, back in the ALT days, Slow Pain, Rest in Peace. We used to have a lot of fun when we would be in the studio together. So I have a lot of good fun memories of us just fucking around, making music, and just staying up gambling and play back to the beat, go back to gambling. <laughs> we used to do so much crazy shit. So I have great times, uh, great studio memories at at the G Spot No Money, man. So, but yeah, Roger Trotman and Zap, those are those are big, and you know, doing it with Easy E was big too. You know, that's crazy, bro. And to have Zap. Say your name in a song. Yeah, period. that was crazy, bro. I think that that was a moment where you were oh. like, man, my life is definitely on the right trajectory, right? Oh, Musically, man. right? I mean, you know, we didn't know. I mean, we were just doing our thing. It was part of our, like, get down about doing, like, these intros for the radio. And to separate ourselves and, you know, put our production ear into things. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what separated us and separated me later, you know, with, with these radio drops. A lot, of, a lot of people remember the... You know, the one with the Mexicans was real popular. The one that Dub C did for Westside Radio was super popular. Um, you know, all the Snoop Dogg intros he did for me were super popular. Legendary. Yeah, so it was like, um, you know, it was kind of, you know, when I got on the radio game that way, I, I, I just started to implement, like, my producing side, too, in, in my ear into what we were doing to to shape out my sound. You know what I mean? What, what people call Julio G or whatever. It's a sound when you're on the radio. If you want to be yourself you have to kind of create a sound it's like a beat you got to make your own style of beat what why why do they listen to you because you don't sound like him and you don't sound like him and you don't do what he does and you don't do what he does you do this thing right here you know what i mean and for me it was west side radio i think that you know separated me from a lot of people too so Oh, yeah, you had exclusives, you had mm -hmm. drops. I remember you'd be like, I just left the studio with so-and-so. It's mm -hmm. like you had that personal touch that no other DJs had at that time. And I was putting people on that, you know, just at the time just weren't getting put on. You know what I mean? And, and you know, especially in the 90s after Easy passed away. Because after Easy passed away, I wasn't trying to do the radio. I thought I was over. I was just going to go back to making beats. 
And but they were the ones that convinced me in the radio station to stay because they really wanted to work with me. And then from there, that's when I said, okay, cool, I'm gonna become Julio G, what people know as the the one that talks. Because b- before I was just pr- producing and DJing. I would talk here and there, but I wasn't like trying to do that. So it was somebody at the radio station that pushed me to do it. You know what I mean? So, but when I ended up doing it, I, I ended up falling in love with it in that, in that way. And then I just kind of took the whole, I took the wheel. I said, okay, well, I got to talk and produce and drop the beat and break the record and, and all that. So <clears throat> at the time I was just, I was giving people chances on the radio that weren't getting chances. So my concept was always like, I'm going to do what they're not doing. And so they're not playing cam. Okay, well, I'm playing cam. You don't play above the law? Well, I'll play above the law. You don't play MC8? Well, I'll play MC8. Uh, you don't play uh, Psycho Realm? I'll play Psycho Realm. You know what I mean? So that was the way I did it. You know what I mean? Um, and because I come from 1580 K and we were always supporting our West Coast yeah. people. You know what I mean? So Breaking records. I, I, yeah, and, and I don't think that people really understood in the radio side of it that that was going to be such an impact because it, it started to hurt people because at first they didn't think about it like that. But when you start playing people's records in the streets, in the hood, their people start supporting you. And then they tell other people, you know what I mean? And, oh, West Side Radio Friday night, you, you might hear Cam and you might hear, you know, whoop de womp you might hear this, you know, you, DJ Quick and stuff that you just weren't hearing on the radio. Like, you know, no disrespect to Power 106, but they weren't really playing like West Coast like that. Not the gutter the grimier West Coast. You no. play, heard, they heard some some songs you had on there. They were more techno and hip hop. Yeah, like more techno, house. house in the band, I remember more, that. Yeah, in the nineties. You know what I mean? Yeah. They played some hip hop though. You know what I mean? But there was you know Coolio. They would do stuff like that. Was the big records basically? You know, what I, I mean? just remember them playing like Nina <clears throat> Santiago and yeah. like like Show Me Your Love and yeah. And they would mix shit in. But I just remember them being. I remember. I think they even used to brand themselves like a party station. Yeah, they right? were party station. Yeah, party yeah, station, yeah. They were party station. But, but the time. beat was like the the, the, the street, the urban shit. It's the more black station. Yeah, the more black sure, station, you know what I mean? So that's why we were able to push it a little bit more. And then and then West Side Radio, like I said, it was just it was just me banging the West Coast and, and giving this these artists the, the the light, you know what I mean? That they weren't getting and nowhere else, you know what I mean? So Friday nights, everybody was tuned into West Side Radio. It was just whatever I played, it was just that was it. If I, I played it, it became something because Everybody was tuned in, and then it would get on another station over here and another station over there because these people were listening too. It's because some of these artists would be like, "Damn, I don't know how I end up getting on like seven stations." Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it all starts because they all do listen to me, and then they emulate the playlist. Right. Yeah. If it's hot in LA, You're playing the hot shit. If it's hot in LA, it's gotta be hot. Yep. You know, and then little by little, they just started accepting more of the West Coast, and then you started hearing more of it get on. You know what That's I mean? Hard. Because because of that reason and me pushing and pushing and playing our, our music. Because you're playing two hours and then I had the nine o'clock bomb during the week. So I'm playing the West Coast in the nine o'clock bomb too. It ain't just on Friday nights. I'm I'm scattering some East and some West. So I'm giving you love during the week. But Friday night is just the warm-up to Friday night. All West Coast. And then I had to balance it out because I couldn't go. There was a night that some bloods called me. And I, I was probably 20 minutes into the show. And I, I used to answer the phone. Leo G, what's up? This da 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 from da 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 blood. Man, you played four Crip records in a row, blood. We out here, man. Come on, blood. And I'm like, man, my bad. I didn't think about that. So I had to like now, 
I when I programmed it, I used to have to think about it. Like, okay, don't play a bunch of Crips in a row. <laughs> I've got to play. I got to play this one and then sure quick. Some quick and, and Mac I, 10 yeah, and that a Mossberg, and yeah. you know, I got to balance it out because that's how serious it was, and that's when I knew it was, you know, it was real. I mean, they weren't hating on me; they were just trying to tell me, "Come on, homie, you're like you're killing us, man. We out here. Yeah, oh, yeah. my bad, bro. My because they could hear them out there. They're all getting their groove on this Friday night, so. I knew what I, you know, what I was dealing with. I had to balance it out and figure out how to maneuver to 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 keep everybody happy, and then just you know keep the West Coast banging on Friday nights. That was that was the whole deal. Well, shit, man! Friday night is one of the most legendary nights of my life, homie. I almost fell on my knees and fucking cried, homie. And I must share to my fans and share to the world a moment that changed my life. And like I said, I was a little boy listening to the to the Rootless Radio Show. I legendary Westside radio fan since I was a kid. So to get into the rap game and to be able to get on high power and create records, and I never thought I'd be able to make records for the radio. They would tell me straight out, Mr. Criminal, you'll never get on the radio, right? Latino, never get on the radio. It's just what it is. To be able to hear my song come out on Westside radio on the 9 o'clock bomb, and not only that, brother, you gave me a motherfucking intro that was like, I show my mama, I show my grandma, I show anybody with pride. Like, do you understand, homie? You stood there and you gave me a platform, and I really feel at that moment you gave me a confidence and you changed my life musically, yeah. straight up. Because the way that you said everybody to that moment was telling me, with a name like Mr. Criminal, you'd never make it. Yeah. Even we cut the record with Busy Bone, and it was like people were saying, like, yeah, this record might do good, but with this dude on it, it might only go so far, right? Yeah. But when we dropped it, and it started with the love you showed, like you said, the rest of the country starts so spreading. Next, that. you know, they started picking it up in El Paso, Salt Lake City, uh, everywhere, Denver. And it just flooded all the way to, to Minnesota, to the Midwest, the whole shit, right? And it started with that 9 o'clock bomb. And I'll never forget the pride that I had. And we stopped and they're like, uh, I remember Capone calling me like, hey, I, I think they're going to play your shit tonight on, on, on Julio G shit. We've been trying to get get uh, so the, the song played and all this. And, and he shows love to his people. So there's no guarantee. He Ain't nobody said for sure. But just tune in the next few nights. So we tuned in like, I think it was like two weeks in a row. And that night, bro, you gave that legendary intro. You were like, we've been waiting for Busy to come back. We've been waiting for Bone Thugs, a uh, sound from, from my homeboy. You, you were like, this is my personal homie. Yeah. And then you're like, on top of that, we got someone from the city. We got a Latino. We got the culture represented together. Yeah, yeah. I'll never forget the words. And you yeah. said, L.A. stand up, Latino stand up. Yeah. And you said, here it is, Mr. Criminal featuring Busy Bone. We ride. Boom, you played Boom. it with so much pride on yeah. me. I damn near on my life, homie, right into the sky, damn near fell on the floor. Yeah, and man. Cried on That's me. because I had to, I used to have to sell record. I used to have to sell the record. You yeah. know what I mean? So it was, there was something to that. Um, and then I'm going to, I'm going to kind of clear it up for you a little bit. Yeah. I did that on 93.5 K Day. Yeah. And that was at that time. And I actually was on in the afternoon, so I actually played it at a prime time. I played it at 5 o'clock. Was it? So I, I was wrong. That. My yeah. memory's wrong. Yeah. Okay. I rem- Shit. I, we I re- just got cleared I re- up. I remember that. Okay. I remember. I'll never forget that. Okay. Because that's not something I was supposed to do. Because oh, that shit. record is not what they would consider a 5 o'clock record because okay. it's brand new, right? But at the time, I was doing like... Uh, at five o'clock, I was doing like a West Side Radio all West Coast. That's why. I That's what it was. It. That's yeah. why I confused. So I was still calling. I was calling the California Love at 5 o'clock. Wow. So that's what I was doing. So you came in there, and that's when I brought it in. And um, I just, 
first of all, Busy Bone's a friend of mine too, but it had to do with with Capone also, and I was liking, I was, I was. I was liking his movement, you know what I mean? I was like, I got I to gotta support. Then I seen you come on, and I felt the same way. I was like, damn, it's going to hurt him, this name, uh, Mr. Criminal. But I like the record, so we're just going to roll with it because I knew he had the streets already buzzing with his label and everything that he was doing, so you just need that little push. Same thing I did for Master P at his time. Because uh, if you ever see, there's Master P interviews where he gives me my, my he gives me my, my, you know my respect about it like i put him on at the time you know i'm on the radio same thing kind of went how i thought about you guys you know what i mean it's like they just need a little bit of a of a push to get over that part you know what i mean and 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 you and it was good to see some latinos coming because that's what i've been looking for at the time i'm like we need some more like hispanics to come with the right records and then and so you came at the right time i was like ah perfect i'm I'm, i want to rock this dude because this is perfect record you know what i mean boom let's hit it and that's why i had to sell it that way but that's that's the key thing it's i didn't just play people's records and oh yeah i played your song okay cool i broke it i i used to break your record like i would keep playing it so if i was with it i kept playing it i didn't play it that one time so i want people to understand that there's a difference when a, a DJ, he gets on tonight and he breaks a record. Yeah, world premiere, boom, psh, and then tomorrow is over, right? And then there's a difference with a guy like me that says, "Hey, brand new Mr. Criminal, boom," and then the next day, oh man, you heard it yesterday. I'm gonna play it again today, boom. And then you know maybe a day or two pass, I come back, ah, uh, here goes Mr. Criminal again. So by the time a third, fourth time you heard it, in between other records, it's starting to get familiar to you. Mm-hmm. That's breaking a record to me. That's what I'm known for more than just world premiering at one time. I had it first. See, that's the difference. People don't get confused with that. They don't understand the guy that plays it one time uh, and then the guy that that continuously plays it for weeks to come to get you in. Like, oh, that record's popping. You know what I mean? Like, that's I've been hearing it all week. Because that, that's that's how programming works. It's how many times you you hear that record. So that's why I done with yours. You know what I mean? So yes, that, that, so it's funny we talked about that. Because yeah, I was the first one to play Mr. Criminal in L.A. You straight know what up, I mean? Straight up, straight so, up. And I appreciate that you yeah, changed my yeah, life for sure, man. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad we're doing this. It's, it's all love. It all, you know, you show love to somebody else. It all goes. You pay it forward. You know what I'm saying? So. And I remember the the conversations when I started doing the next records, the the Nate Dogs and the Twisters and the Fat Joes. I remember clearly. The conversation's opening up much easier because it's like, oh yeah, he already got that record ready yeah. played, and then and then went to Nate Dog, and it's like, okay, now he has two records on the radio, and then it went to the third, and it's like, okay, yeah. this motherfucker's starting to stack his BDS. Yeah. Then it becomes a respectable thing, and it's not such an issue anymore. Yeah, now it's just yeah. like cut a good record, and that's it. No, yeah. there's no more excuses or anything. And I thank you for helping make that possible. Yeah, for sure. And on top of that, a lot of people don't know you were you were one of obviously not the first. But Tony G and the other ones that come come before, but you're one of the very first people that represented Latinos on the radio that I can remember. Yeah, like that period. No, for sure. Especially for my, especially for my my time, because uh, I remember very clearly you sometimes would speak in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you would you would change up the lingo. You would give it up to the homies in the hoods, and mm-hmm. you're just a real one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and there there wasn't really much of that. I think a lot of commercial, a lot of radio was commercial, and you could feel it. But but when you guys came on, it felt like real. It felt authentic. It felt uh, organic you yeah. know what i'm saying what i'm what i'm you know i'm you know very blessed because you know the people have supported me you know what i mean i always wanted to like i always wanted to represent us in the level of like you know to be respected in the game like you know i don't want it for free 
you know, I, I, I'm going to get up and get busy. Like, I want you to respect me and be like, hey, man, I seen, like, just a friend of mine came over the other day because I started working on on, on some scratch stuff again because I had messed up my shoulder. So I, and, and he hadn't been over for a while, but he, when he sat there, he was like, damn, G, you be killing it, man. Like, and he's one of my black friends, you know what I mean? So it made me feel good in a way because he's like, in his head, you know, he knows the real shit. And he's like, damn, man, you be killing it, man. The way you be scratching, god damn, bro. Like, that's just automatic. That's my whole thing always. I, like I said, I don't want it for free. I don't want it, oh, because I'm Latino, y'all gotta love me. And, and nah, I want you to be like, that's a bad motherfucker. You know what I mean? Period. And he's Hispanic. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So I don't want it for free, bro. So that's always been my my whole game thing where I wanted to I wanted Hispanics and Latinos to always know in hip hop, in West Coast hip hop, if anybody ever says any kind of shit out of pocket, you always could say, Oh, hold up, bro. Don't forget about Julio G. Cause he put it the fuck down. Straight up. For us. And then my name is Julio G. When I started in the 80s, there was no Hispanics except Tony G and one or two other people. So it wasn't like it was popular to be Hispanic, you know what I mean? So, but I still did that. I didn't want to be DJ J Scratch or something like that. Like I didn't want to hide from it. I was like, nah, I'm gonna be Julio G. So you know, when you hear the name, you know what you're dealing with. You know what I mean? It, it, I'm Hispanic. You know what I mean? But it feels good to be like at this age of my life and look back. Cause when I did it, I did it just for the love of hip hop and to compete. And like I said, and to make my people, you know, feel proud about. You know, they got somebody in the game that that represents for them. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I started 92.3 and flipping all that in Spanish in the 90s when nobody had done that. You know what I mean? I brought that that whole vibe to the radio in that way. And then I was doing it at a black radio station, mind you. So it was a little bit it was a little bit crazy what I was doing at the time. But I still was able to kind of pull it through. And then the fans came through and the Hispanics came through and supported me. So it took that radio station to number one. And they were happy as fuck about that, you know what I mean? So, so it's uh, yeah, I'm very, I'm very blessed, man. I'm very, very thankful to my, to my community and all the Hispanics that you know, Latinos that that, that support what I do, you know what I mean? And, and I do it for you too. So, so just know that. I mean, shit, to get a call, call on a song like Vato from Snoop Dogg, mm-hmm. and to have you be the introduction to it from one song with Nate Dogg, Legendary, yeah. to the next one like that. I mean, yeah. I think that shit speaks volumes. Yeah, Blue so. Carpet Treatment. I'm very thankful to Snoop for that because he's always been very supportive, too. And um, <clears throat> a story, I'll give you a story about that song. One day I went to the studio because I always smoke with Snoop. Yeah. And um, I had some weird, I forgot why I ended up at the studio, but I was there. He pulls me to the side and we go into this other room and he says, Hey, man, I, I got this song. Uh, I got this song I want you to hear, man. But he didn't have the song. He just raps it to me. Um, and I could just right there in front of me. Vato, you won't believe who they are. You know, he does the whole thing, right? Okay, okay, cool. All right, well, let me know. You know, that's all I knew about it. Once again, 93.5 Katie, I'm on in the afternoon. It's 5 o'clock. California love again, right? He sends me the record. Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, we don't want to this motherfucker, man. This is, you know, boom. Okay, cool. I got you. I played a record. And um, for some reason, I know I didn't listen to the record. I was at the moment. And I'm like, oh, it's five something. I got to go. Play it. Boom. Played it. So I listened to maybe like 10 seconds of it but threw it on there but when I heard it on the big speakers 
it's because it's a clean version. There was something in the beginning that was taken out, and it sounded a little weird to me. I'm like, wait a minute, is he talking shit? I didn't know what to make of it, and as it goes along, it just, I don't know, when the first time I heard it, I just didn't sound, I don't know, man, it started sounding crazy, but then the hook comes in, and you hear it was Pharrell. See, people don't remember that. Before Be Real. Before Be Real. Mm-hmm. It was Pharrell, and he was doing, but it sounded like he was kind of like almost clowning. Speedy Gonzalez in yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. So as I'm hearing that, I'm starting to cringe, and I have it on the speakers loud in the room. I'm like, oh, this is 510, 515. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, wait a minute. What song is... I'm thinking Snoop would make something talking shit. Wow, man, what is going on here? So then the hook comes in again. I'm like, oh, man. So the song ends, and, man, I move on to the next thing, and I start taking some calls, and then say, people start calling up. up. And they're like, yo, Julio G., but what the fuck was that you just played? <laughs> I'm like, man, you know what? I don't know, man. I gotta listen to this shit again because yeah. something about it, because of the because of the clean edits, it makes it. I don't know what it was. I gotta listen worse. to it. something sounded worse about it. So, man, but I'm taking. I take about five calls of this, six calls, and they all don't sound good. So now I'm feeling bad, like, oh, I done fucked up. Now my people about to turn on me. So I called Snoop nine one one. I never do that. He called me right back. What's up, G? Snoop, we got a problem. What? They don't like the song, man. They think you talking shit. And he's like, what? Nah, man, I'm not talking shit. I'm saying that the homie seen me getting jammed up by these two motherfuckers, and that's what homie's saying. I'm like, it don't sound like that. And with Pharrell in the hook, bro, that shit just sounds like you're clowning. We got, you can't do it. Just stop. I just played it once. Like, just, he's like, and you know what's crazy? Like, Snoop was so into the song. It was like he was so into it when he was talking to me about it that he felt like like I could hear it on the phone. Oh, man. Disappointing. Yeah. He's like, oh, man, G. He's like, man, what could I do? I'm like, look, you need to get somebody else in the hook. You got to get Pharrell off that hook, bro. Because that just don't, it just... And at first, I was going to tell him to do Little Rob. But at the time, I was like, oh, I don't know if Little Rob is big enough for this situation. I said, he needs, like, somebody more, like, on, on, on his level. Oh, man, call B-Real, Snoop. And he's like, oh, cuz, I'm going to call B-Real. And that's how B-Real got into involved in that song. He saved the record. He saved the record. I, I was just talking to B-Real the other day about this. We was coming back from Arizona in his car and we were going back on that story and it was true. Actually, B-Real saved that record for Snoop because, and, and it worked out because it was a cool video and it actually, it actually worked itself out which was cool in the way it worked out. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm kind of glad it happened that way but that was a story behind that people that never knew that I haven't talked about that before uh, um, in an interview about that that song and how that went, but that happened in the five o'clock hour yeah. at ninety three five K day. Yeah, That's yeah, hard. yeah, for sure. But the, I ended up later later on going into the studio and doing uh, three skits on the blue carpet treatment for Snoop, and I got a skit on uh, I, I mean a talking part on um, pay the cost to be the boss, and then corrupts albums and there were a few a whole bunch of stuff I've done with those guys. So so much love to those guys too. I appreciate them because that always. Uh, it's always nice to be on people's records when people get to hear that. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. Well, I'll tell you from a first-hand experience, I was, I was the producer of High Power back then. Mm. And the, our label was 
homies from every single hood coming from everywhere in LA pulling up to my studio. My my studio was the G spot, so to say. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it was the, the headquarters for recording. And I remember the the day that that shit dropped. We just like this. We had like speakers, like pool table, fish tank, all in my studio. And I remember that shit was like premiering on on on, on MTV or something. And the homies were like talking shit. You know, they they weren't feeling it. It wasn't until like the 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 song got explained more and like yeah. there was interviews coming out. Yeah. And then it kind of got lightened up. But I remember the climate at that time was like, yeah, fuck, what the fuck was Snoop thinking? He's yeah, like, yeah, he's dissing us. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, but I'm saying it it's, it's until he explained the song, yeah. then you hear the lyrics and go, oh, because that's what he told me. He goes, oh, nah, man. I'm saying that the Vato's watching them bang on me. That, so I'm like, oh, Snoop, but that's not what it sounds like, though, yeah. brother. Yeah, but that's that's what we're done with that song, man. But, I remember the whole studio session cut, and I had like like probably like seven, eight homies in there from like different hoods, and I, that was all they was talking about for the next hour. Like, yeah, this is bullshit, homie. What the fuck? Yeah. We need to try to get a hold of somebody, and you know, you know what it is. Yeah, you know, yeah. Motherfuckers always have their opinion, but yeah. I'm just glad. Yeah, that, but Snoop that, was that, all love, man. Snoop was it, not. It everybody about knows that, that about. Yeah, him, yeah, for sure. It was just, it was just that. That's what happened with that song, man. But you know, but people it get out. in their feelings when they hear shit like that. Yeah, you know? yeah. It, it, it's, it's natural, and then after a while, it's like, oh, okay, now we. Get yeah, it wasn't you know about that. Yeah, yeah for it's not sure. About that. For sure. So, uh, as far as speaking of the radio and having like the whole climate of of that Snoop. Now, now we're talking to Snoop, and then you were around Easy and that. Obviously, there was a moment where they didn't get along. Mm-hmm. There was two different two, two different camps that that had a lot of beef. That was a legendary show. I'm not sure if it was Ruthless Radio or Street Science, but I know that it was definitely on the radio, and it was easy taking calls from the whole death row camp. Mm-hmm. This shit got crazy. That was on Street Science. That was on Street Science. Yeah, right? that was on her in the morning, and okay. he got into it with Daz. Yeah, Daz yeah, and, and Michelle was screaming in the back, and yeah. Lazy Bone got on, and everybody was just talking. It was yeah. just crazy, right? Corrupt got on. Yeah, yeah. So, so what? What? What was the? What was the the climate of that? How did that even get through on the radio? How did the radio allow that? <sighs> because well, she used to do a show called Street Science in yeah. the mornings, right? So he went on there, <clears throat> but she would have different topics. Mm-hmm. So whatever she might have been, I think she was doing something in the music business, and somehow they had the hotline number, and that's how they kind of all went down. You know what I mean? Um, but you know that was that that was ninety two point three the beat. That was the radio. You know what I mean? We were. I think that she just. I think it just happened at that moment. But it's it's audio recorded, so people got to hear it back later on. You know what I mean? But yeah, there was there was there was some 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 going on. You know what I mean? There was like the beef was the beef. You know what yeah. I mean? It was the beef, and it was competitive. But you know, it is what it is. That's what Easy was talking about. You know what I mean? He, he, Easy was uh, Easy was doing ruthless, and that's what he he was sticking to ruthless. So that's what it was about. Yeah. You know, and it was like Easy versus all of them. Pretty yeah, much. Easy versus pretty much versus all of them. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, but like I said, I just think at the, at the moment, Easy loved it though. Yeah, you could kind of. He it. loved it. He loved it. Trust me. I used to have conversations with him, and if you got to hear the way he would talk about things, like he liked that people thought he was sixteen. He liked those things. Like he liked those mysterious things that people said about people. At one time, used to say he was a devil worshiper. I remember that. That he had a tattoo right here on his hand. The skull and bones. The, yeah, on the, and this. The covers. And he had a, something on his chest mm-hmm. and blah, 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 right? So he loved that, though. He played off. He it. loved it. He used to tell me, man, man, I love when they think I'm 16, man. That's, that's, that's what you got to do, <laughs> man. You got you to gotta keep the mystery, man. You know? And then, you know, they think I love the devil and, and this and that. And, and then I knew that he wasn't like that. Like, I knew he talked about God and all that. So so I knew, but he loved it. Like, 
And he got a kick out of it. He really did. And that's why I say he was ahead of his time in that way. Like he knew how to keep the mystery out there. Because he told me many times, they're not talking about you. You ain't nobody. <laughs> Good or bad. Straight up. Good or bad. He was always take talked it. about. Yeah. He kept the conversation about himself going on and the mystery about himself. You know what I mean? But uh, but he was a real one, though, too. He was not scared of nobody. He was a, a real one. So, you know, he stood he stood for his. You know what I mean? They, You know, they all. it was just Death Row versus Ruthless, you know. It was hip hop, LA. Yeah. yeah, hell yeah. And I know at one point he he was like uh as everybody's like in mansions and big old cribs, I know he was just like in the hood, like in Norwalk, right by yeah. the freeway, like still he driving that sixty three, right? He loved that crib, bro. Yeah, he he would stay at that house more than any other crib. That small little Norwalk house that he had. Yeah. Not small, but it was like a three bedroom crib. Yeah. Um, he loved that house. Because we were right down the street, down the six oh five in El Monte. Okay. So he would go up and down the six oh five. But um he loved that crib. like, And then I used to tell him that he lived out of his car. Yeah. I, I used to see him just more in his car than anywhere else, man. Like, he he used to have so much clothes in the trunk of that car, he would just get dressed. I don't know, man. That guy, was, that guy just moved a different way, man. Like, he didn't he didn't care about them. He was, you'd think he'd be, like, at the, you know, chilling at the pool and just, like, that wasn't easy. He was always working, like, always working and always thinking and always moving. And he... He didn't even enjoy his big houses. He kind of, like I said, he bought the Norwalk house. I got you. Yeah, he was very. So you regular. were in a, a month all the time in the eighties. Yeah. Do you remember a company back in the day, Taco Delight? Mm-mm. It was like I think they had two different restaurants right there. No, no, no. There was no. one on Klingerman, and I don't remember where the other one was. Oh, really? No, no. I well, didn't yeah, that was that. a business my father started. That. Oh, really? It, okay. It's, I think it's still to this day those buildings, and they just like renamed them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, my, my my father started that oh, shit back in cool. the days. I used to live in the Klingermans when I was a little like oh, a little wow. little baby, you know. Wow. So we moved to Whittier. Um. So shit, man. I I I also want to talk about this. A lot of people don't know this. We clicked up at the penthouse in Venice a few years back and we were really really getting on on the level of trying to get some shit cracking and you were also giving me another opportunity at that time and you were going to bring back West Side Radio at that time yeah, on Dash yeah. and a lot of people don't know you were giving me an opportunity yeah, dog. Yeah, you were gonna... about to give me a radio show it was yeah. going to be called Latin Active Radio yeah Latin Active and uh, it was going to be Julio G and Mr. Criminal it may still happen yeah you know, it may still happen figure so it out. this is a, a, a thing that got affected by the coronavirus yeah it was yeah, right it before and I remember Dash Radio was out in Hollywood and they were redoing a new building Yeah. and then everything just shut down you were like we got the contracts ready to go from the team that whole shit we ready to get our stations where our whole shit we're going to put it under the uh you had your own your own uh yeah. channel and uh man i couldn't even believe it. i was having that conversation yeah we, we, we're gonna make it happen eventually we, yeah. we, we still got the idea there the yeah. idea is still there it's man. still there so yeah we let the maybe cat out of the bag too early yeah but it's all good now they know mr criminal and julio g connected in a real way this, yeah. this love for music is no joke yeah, yeah speaking about all this what is your uh opinion on the way that the radio has transitioned? Obviously you were an, from AM to FM mm-hmm. to physical sales to digitals to streams. You've seen the ringtones phase come mm-hmm. and go. Uh to now obviously everything's streaming and digital and podcasting. Mm-hmm. What is your opinion on the change and, and where it's going now in the future? Um I think uh, I think radio is just you know useful for certain things. I don't know if it's really for young music anymore i think um i think young people have access to music a lot more quicker than you can in my era you know you'd wait for me to play the record you'd wait for me to world premiere it you didn't have no other access to really get to it you had to wait till snoop gave it to me or somebody gave it to me okay i'm gonna world premiere you feel me today you can get it like that 
So there is no such thing as a world premiere anymore. You know what I mean? Because anybody can get the record. You can put your song up right now and it'll be on ready to go right now. You couldn't do that before. You know what I mean? Times have changed. So I don't think radio can keep up with what young people want to hear. Like in L.A., like listening to the radio driving up here. I'm listening and I'm like, hmm, this is cool, bro. But I mean, we're in L.A., it's like this is Hispanics now, bro. It's like you guys got to move on from this down south, you know, gutter kind of music. That's cool and all that, but man, bro, there's a lot of Hispanics that are doing big, big in the streets right now, and you're not hearing that. And I think that's where they're missing out. They're not understanding the market anymore. That's why they're losing. Kids are moving on to other ways to listen to music. They don't got time to be waiting for you to play Mr. Criminal. They gonna listen to it when they want to listen to it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it's changed in that way when it comes to hip hop. Um, now, if you listen to older songs, like myself, I want to listen to some older, regular stuff. Yeah, those are older people. They're not into technology that deep. So they still want to listen to the radio. That's why when you look at the ratings of the radio in any city, the top ones are going to be the older stations, right? The old school this and the wave of that and, you know, playing Mariah Carey and whoop de wop you know, that stuff. And then the hip hop is way down here somewhere. When hip hop used to be the top, always right, but that's changed. You know what I mean? So it's just the way people are grabbing music has changed uh, the way people digest music. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, the kids that are popping really are not even on the radio. You at know what all. I mean? At all. You know, they're selling out shows, and I don't hear that kid yeet like that. You know what I mean? He's selling out shows. He's like the hottest thing in the street. You know what I mean? Um, Rest in peace to this little kid, man. I'll say little kid, but um, Money Sign Suede. Money Sign Suede, rest in peace. I mean, he was popping on my side of town. Like, the kids loved him. You know what I mean? I wasn't really hearing him like that. Maybe I don't hear the radio that much, so I can't say for sure, but not that I was feeling like they should be supporting the city. You know what I mean? That's why I say when Julio G was doing 92.3 The Beat, I was supporting the city. I was finding the, the artists and making them into... You know what I mean? They're not doing that no more. You know I what see. I mean? They're not doing that. So that's that's what I think has changed in L.A. And, uh, you know, and it, 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 the way you make music and put it out is just totally different now, you know? Yeah, and I think it also attributes to the fact that they lost the touch of, of having the real DJs there. Mm-hmm. Because the, the DJs, I'm going to keep it real, like most DJs didn't have that connection. You know, they had to wait on the label to get the, the single work by the corporation mm-hmm. and the machine. Mm-hmm. They couldn't have the luxury to just say, hey, I just pulled up from Snoop and just got this mm-hmm. record. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and, and I think they lost that. Not yeah. a lot of the, the, the new DJs have that love from artists. And then again, they're playing down south and the, the shit that's popping down there. Those cats don't give a fuck about these mm-hmm. LA DJs just mm-hmm. keeping their 1000 they don't have these type of relationships they can't just pull up to the A and be like okay I'm in the studio with these cats so it's just a whole different different machine different mentality different times everything I don't think changed. the DJs today really have the freedom to do things like that anymore that's what's kind of hurt them so I kind of mm-hmm. got to you know kind of defend them a little bit you know what I mean it's not that always corporate. their fault it's not their fault they, they're just there trying to get their name out there but mm-hmm. they're stuck into this like playlist of you can only play these songs mm-hmm. like I said I can't do radio unless you give me the freedom to do what I'm going to play because I have to go out there and dig out the streets. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're not going to be out there like you think. You know what I mean? So that's why I say that's, that's the difference in, in in the radio today and, and, and what's going on today in, the, in today's time with the hip-hop. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. What is uh, your top five, five favorite artists of all time? Whew, that's a hard one, man. Five. Oh. Snoop. Is, is that always... five or one? 
No, no, I would just I'm not in no particular order. I'm okay. just gonna say five. Okay. Um Snoop for sure. Um These are just my personal favorites. I look at it like this. If I had to take five if I had to go sit on an island for five years yeah. and I had to take five catalogs, who would I take, right? So for sure Snoop. Okay. Snoop's catalog is incredible. Um fifty Oh. I'm gonna say Nas. Mm, let me see. I'm gonna say Bone Thugs. I gotta have Bone Thugs. Cause I just, that whole style is just. Mm, let me see who else. And number five. Wow. Number five, I'm, I might say, I might say Jay Z. I might say Jay Z. Well, nah, I take it back. I'm gonna say Ice Cube. Hell yeah. I'm gonna say Ice Cube. I like that list. Yeah, I'm gonna I say Ice Cube. I can fuck with that list for five yeah. years on any island. I'm gonna say Ice Cube for sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Hell yeah. I just love Snoop because I, I just he's one of my favorites because he just has such a such a wide range of catalog, the way the kind of records that he's made. Um that just nobody on the West Coast has been able to match. As much as I love Ice Cube, he can't I don't just see Ice Cube doing making a sexual eruption. Nah. You know what I mean? Like too rough. Only Snoop too could do, pull that off. Like Snoop pulled that record off. That's always a record that always like separates him from a lot of people to be able to pull that record off. <clears throat> I remember being on tour and running into Snoop backstage in Chile, and that record had just came out for about a few days or a week. And I told him, Cross, we we're you know, hey, what's up, man? And I told him, uh, hey, man, I love that new record you put out. He said, you do. Cause he used to he used to always ask me about music, like what I thought about his music, or what should be the single, or do I think what I think, you know what I mean? And I go, hey man, that's that's a huge record, bro. That's gonna be a like a worldwide hit. He's like, no, no, man, the label don't even like that song. They hate it. Oh no, 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 no. That's a smash, man. That's a smash. And I was right, cause I just have an ear for certain things, you know what I mean? So I. That was just the, that record that design. Oh yeah, for sure, for Hell sure. Yeah. And it was so different, you know what I mean? He's, you don't catch Snoop doing stuff like that. So that's why I like his catalog because he has such, you know, just diverse ways of making music. You know what I mean? D different ways. You know what I mean? Different styles. Silky smooth flow, bro. No yeah. one could get no, not even close to it. Nah, nah. It's, it's, a, it's a, it's a, it's. Too he's damn a musician. Smooth. Yeah, it's crazy. He, he's a true musician, uh, Snoop. He's more than a rapper to me. I listen to him as like a musician. He's like a, he's really good ear. You can hear his influence in the soul records and all the shit that he grew up on. That his mom played in the house. Yeah, man. You could really hear that that shit is in his soul because mm -hmm. he, he he displays it in records all the time. Yeah. And then when he clicks with the homie Battle Cat, it's like over. Like, yeah, them for folks sure. Get together and they just they just kill shit. Um. Man, I, I think I think the whole contribution of what you've done for the coast is amazing. I think that a lot of people don't even realize it. We're in a in a fast paced world, and it's my my duty to highlight legendary shit that happened in our culture. I appreciate it. And man. I gotta say, bro, half the motherfuckers that are out here that have legendary careers wouldn't have it if it weren't for people like you. So no, I, wanna, I appreciate it. I want to thank you for for playing my record. I want to thank you for uh, playing all the records that you have throughout my life. Because you shaped the soundtrack of my life straight yeah. up, you know. Because I know for a fact the records that I know for a fact the records that you were bringing to those stations, the even the other station, the the, uh, the other shows on the same station, yeah, we're starting to play them after you would play them. I yeah. remember that shit clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember, for sure. I remember that. So yeah. I, I thank you for for your contribution. No, to I appreciate you guys, man. I appreciate you know you you guys just showing us love. You know what I mean? Because you know the 
people don't know the old school like that unless somebody kind of brings people out to say, hey, these are our OGs, you know what I mean? So it is a different era for us because we didn't have the internet growing up, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's like um, we, I appreciate it when people, you know, bring us on platforms and let us, you know, explain to people what the history is, of, especially of the West Coast. Because like I said, it's not documented, okay. you know what I mean? You don't have a lot of documentation of the West Coast hip hop. And then, um, you know, anybody could just say anything, you know, it's only a handful of us that were there in the beginning. That could tell you the real. This is what it was, bro. Yeah. Because that's what happens too, too. Sometimes people just start going saying, and nah, they wasn't really there, bro. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's only a handful of us that was there at the real beginning. It's easy to say, like, yeah, this was happening because yeah. there ain't no yeah. records of it these yeah, days. Yeah, the rest of motherfuckers sure. that were for there. Sure. Right? You got to have. A, it's only a handful of us. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so like I said, salute, man. I appreciate you inviting me, and and and, and I always like to talk hip hop. So, hell yeah, thank you, man. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Do you do you remember the movie Selena? Uh, I think so. Do you remember that? Well, there's a famous scene. Let me let me uh, explain to you. There's a famous scene in the movie, mm -hmm. and uh, it's like after she she gets her big hit records. She's she's a Mexican girl in yeah. L.A. at the Beverly Center. She's here for the Grammys, and she's got millions of dollars. And she goes in the mall. She's trying to buy like in one of them bougie ass stores, and they're looking at her up and down like you ain't got the money. And she's trying to like get up out of there. And when she's trying to dip out, because the lady's giving her shit. The whole crowd just rushes, Selena, Selena, and everyone's taking pictures and, and shit like that. Not so necessarily as far as the attention or anything like that, but do you have like a Selena moment where like you were somewhere and you were trying to buy something and someone doubted you and it's like, oh shit, they didn't realize who they were dealing with, Julio G in front you, of them. You know what happens to me a lot? Mm. Or what happened to me back in the days, sometimes nowadays, but not back in the days more when that was more active on the radio. Yeah. Somebody will be looking down. And like writing something and something, and then they'll hear my voice and they'll be like, Oh my God, are you Julio G? <laughs> and I'd be like, Yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of, it's weird because um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in somewhat in the way of shy person too. I'm yeah. not always on, mm. you know, I'm an only child. So sometimes I'm more like introvert. Like I'm not really as like people might think. So <clears throat> it, it'd be kind of weird sometimes. Some moments, that's why I think the weed helps me out. And especially at that time, because it would happen kind of relaxed around people. Because sometimes I would get a little bit of anxiety because it's, it's just like a little overwhelming sometimes. You know what I mean? Everybody's, you know, on you and they want to ask this and they want, I got a record. and either that, You know what I mean? It's just a lot going on. And sometimes I'm like, damn, I just kind of want to be alone. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what I want to be in all this. It, it, it's kind of, But you got to keep going. Because these are fans, you know what I mean? I always want to treat everybody the best that I can because I want them to always have a good experience. <clears throat> I met Julio G last night. He was hella cool because next time they hear you, they're your fans, man. They fuck with you. You know what I mean? So I always try to be as nice as I can, but, but um, you know, it has an up and down moment sometimes. You know what I mean? So some moments it's like, you know, it's like, Damn, I'm in my bummiest ass clothes. This motherfucker just recognized me. First time, you know. Oh, that's happening to me a lot like of times. Because sometimes I leave the house, I'm not thinking of this. Yeah. I'm in some bummy ass shit. And I'm just, and somebody, hey, yo, Julio G, oh, let me get a picture with you, man. Oh, man. You know what I mean? So, but I do it, you know what I mean? But, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny. I'll tell you the crazy ones that I, uh, something crazy, man. Um, I always trip out on people that tell me, and they were locked up. And they'll all tell me different stories about being locked up and how West Side Radio was like their their nighttime or their their kind of like mental break from from this jailhouse thing Chaos. situation. Yeah, yeah. Man. You know what I mean? I've never been to jail, so I don't 
I just can imagine what that's about and how that little two hours, that could be such a just... An escape. An escape. For sure. Ah, man, I had people tell me, like, some crazy stories, man. They'd be like, yeah, you don't even understand. I was locked up, man, and you played this one song, man, and, oh, man, it took me back to my neighborhood, and, man, you don't... Somebody was telling me when I was on 93.5 Katy that I was think Terminal Island... He's like, man, when you would come on on Sundays, that nobody would make do nothing wrong because they didn't want them to take Fuck the radio. Yeah, yeah. So everybody was just shh. Save just, that shit for after. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure, dog. He said, like, you have no idea, man, how many times you calm things down because like, oh no, no, not today. Yeah. No, no, bro, we gotta listen to. It. And he was, he said, it was the Mexicans and the blacks. Cause they both want to listen, so you can't, you couldn't, you couldn't. Don't fuck this up, man. Don't fuck the radio time That's up. Right. We want you know what? So those are always cool stories, you know. What I mean, those ones that people like, you know, it touched them some kind of some, somehow, some way <clears throat> when they were behind bars or whatever. You know, what I mean, at tough times. So you know, I appreciate those those stories too. Do we get a, a, a Julio G family version? Do we do? Is there like at home? Could could we imagine you like? Uh, calling the family to the table. We got the nine o'clock dinner bomb. And you're you're premiering fucking the lobster. We're gonna premiere this fucking food. And do you, do you ever catch yourself with the radio voice at home? No, not really. No, not really. You know what I mean? It's just um, I just think people. You know, just I think sometimes people because because Grand Theft Auto too. You know what I mean? Because I did the Radio Los Santos uh, on uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. A lot of people recognize my voice from that, mm -hmm. you know, and so people grew up on that game. That's like a big game, you know yeah. what I mean? So just somebody the other day was like, yo, man, I knew you sounded familiar. I knew it, man. And man, Radio Los Santos. And I was like, oh, yeah, Radio Los Santos. And you were it. still banging some dope shit on yo, that. Yo, that, was, that yeah. was so hard, man. Thank you to DJ Pooh for that. Yeah, yeah. DJ Pooh's a real one, too, Oh, uh, wonderful guy, Ran into man. him over there at Exhibit Studio, and he was like telling me some dope shit about some ideas they had for a movie. And I'm like, man, I'm sitting here chopping up with DJ Pooh about Awesome movie shit. He's like, so smart, that what guy. What kind man. of shit is this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he's a dope dude, man. Shout out to Exhibit. I was just chopping up with them earlier today. I think it's important for us to 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 build these black and brown relationships organically and mm -hmm. real and keep mm -hmm. them going. You know, like we're gonna be bringing some of our brothers on the on the show and, and highlight like like you brought up Cam earlier. Yeah. He's one of the one of my main allies in this and that's introduced me to a lot of people and I get a lot of love and respect because he opened doors. Like we need more of those type of people that yeah. open doors. And, I'm glad you brought this up because I, I, I actually want to say a little something. I hope I'm not going too long, nah, man. you're good, bro. Um, We're straight. I want to, I want to, I want to kind of bring something up to, since you said this. Yeah. I think a lot of people confuse black and brown, and they think that that means that, you know, we all clicked up and. and we, no, 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 no. You're good. You're good. It ain't nothing like that. It's real out there in some neighborhoods. Like in, I got you, cool. And like in Long Beach, it's not a secret in Sorry the cities. That. No, so it's so real, but, you know. But, you know, I think people what they think that means that that everybody needs to be all like that. It's Kumbaya. not. No, it's not like it's that. It's not real like that. The black and brown thing we started in the '90s, and maybe it started before that. But in the '90s, speaking on Cam and the Nation of Islam, ninety-two point three, the beat, no color lines, myself. Be real, uh, some sinful from the Mexicans, I man from the Mexicans. Uh, some of you know, we would do things together, and that's what I think people confuse the black and brown thing. They think that this means some kind of like uh, some peace treaty or something. It's not going to work for everybody. Nah. What we were doing it for is to show people that we can do things together. Now, we can't control what you guys do over here. I can't control your beefs over drugs over here. We can't control all these different things. But what we could, we can do is say, hey, <clears throat> I'm Latino. I'm Hispanic, right? I'm a man. So what, what I want to do is do something for the kids. 
to to do something positive for the kids. Be it a black kid, be it a brown kid. It doesn't matter. That's what a real man should think and do, right? So if this black man over here, like Cam, comes to me and says, I'm a black man, I'm going to do this same way. And I'm going to respect you as a black man. You're going to respect me as a Latino man. And that's what we're supposed to do with each other. We don't have to, you know, all be in love. And we ain't saying that when they say black and brown. It just says, let's be men and handle your business, bro. I got my side. You got your, you a man. I'm a man. Let's do this, you know, together. Let's show the kids that we could get together, have fun, ha uh, invite each other to eat with each other, hang out, do things like that. And those things is what helps people grow to understand each other a little bit better and hope we could, sp you know, hope this spreads farther out and gets a better understanding. So I think sometimes, like when I hear in this generation, people think black and brown. Oh, they ain't no black and brown this. They ain't no this. Y'all be this. And no, nah, hold on, man. Like y'all are grabbing what we're doing in the nineties, and and you're not understanding. It's it, it's not gonna work for everybody, but there is a unification of black and browns when we get together. Like I said, Westside Radio. I have to have a lot of people with that platform, and the majority of them were black. You know what I mean? It wasn't had nothing to do with that. It was about you know. I'm popping. I'm going to get y'all popping. And the Hispanics, too. Psycho Realm, Little Rock, whatever I played, too. Mr. Criminal, you know what I mean? Uh, Cypress Hill, whatever, you know, whatever we're doing. We're doing both, you know what I mean? It's, um, and so that's why I want people to understand about black and brown unity is, is, is more of a mindset of, like, you know, I'm responsible on my side. You're responsible on your side. Let's do something together, guys, and let's, let's go. You know, I, I could always work with the Nation of Islam. I've done a lot of work with them in the jails. In the community Because we treat each other as men How you doing bro? What's happening brother? Alright cool Cool I'm here for the Hispanics You're here for the black Let's go do our thing Let's have a good time Respect each other And That's that's black and brown unity That's how you start something To let people know That you know Our kids need to play with each other Like when I was young Playing with my black friends You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah there's gonna be Little fights here Problems there That's just life man That ain't never gonna change But it doesn't mean That we have a hatred For each other On that level You know what I mean So that's what I try to um, Tell people about Black and brown When you hear Black and brown unity Sometimes it's just More of a mindset Of let's do something Positive for the kids man And you know And and, uh, and show the kids A better way You know what I mean Oh yeah And showing leadership it's showing intention and showing uh, that we could do this because a lot of people think from the outside looking in that we can't get money together and that we're no. going to destroy the neighborhoods and we're going to keep on tearing each other down. Yeah. And it's, it's everybody knows it's not a secret that that's kind of the design. You know what I'm yeah, saying? That's yeah. why there's liquor stores in every fucking corner and mm -hmm. that's why they allow so much to, to be to where it is. So I believe that... Uh, those type of situations we defeated and, and, and standing together we could show it's not kumbaya it's not uh we're gonna save the world or whatever but hey it's a step in the right direction yeah for sure for starts, sure, starts for one sure. by one man hell yeah how we doing critical you're looking like you're sh sh you're just tired of the headphones huh uh, i got you well shit man before we get up out of here you are not going to escape we are got Another episode of Mr. Criminal's Game Show. And today, we got our special guest, Julio G. Legendary Westside Radio. Mm -hmm. How you doing today, brother? I'm good, bro. Man, I see you smoking some good L.A. Kush. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, I see you passing it. I still ain't rolled it up. I need to throw on this hoodie because it's cold as fuck around here. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, man, we got a couple questions. All right. A or B. They go from the left to the right. We try right. to make them easy as possible because when I was in school, I didn't really get tests. <laughs> and even on the bubbles, I sometimes I'll fill up all three, man. I just said, fuck it, man. I'm giving up on this shit. That's so right. I'm going to make these tests easy for my guests as well. K, 
California love. You have that California love in you. Would you prefer summertime or wintertime? Summertime. Summertime. Baby, all, baby. And why day. is that? I just enjoy music in the summer, and I just like, you know, I like being out. I like riding my bike at the beach in the summer. Um, man, when I had a convertible Jeep, I used to like to take, I used to take the top down the whole damn summer. Hell yeah. I just like the summertime. I'm just, I, and I, I enjoy music that comes out in the summer, man. I really do. That's that's my time to really listen to music in summertime. There you go. Um, if it came to video games, you ever play video games? I don't really play video games. You weren't into them. So nah. this, this, this old school ones. Play. Okay, well, shit. Let's old go. school ones. Yeah. Okay, let's go. Atari or or Nintendo? Atari. Okay. Uh, what was your favorite game on Atari? Asteroids. Asteroids. You don't want to know. That's asteroids. how far back I go back. Right, we got we got two arcades in the next room. Uh-huh. And before we he leaves, <laughs> it could be off camera. But <laughs> I want to see how we play some asteroids. All right. Uh, I got another question. This is kind of a hot seat situation. Yeah. I have to ask everybody this just for their opinion. Obviously, it's a hot topic in our culture. Yeah. But uh, George Lopez says something that was a little offensive to the community about Ralph Barboza. Uh-huh. So it's been a little bit of a hot topic. People want to know who's a better comedian or who, who do people uh, makes the bigger impact on the community who shows love. Who would you prefer, George Lopez or Ralph Barboza? Oh, I, I got to say... Hmm. I gotta say that um, I used to like George Lopez TV show. Okay. With his with his wife and everything, it was a cool show. I enjoyed that show a lot. Yeah. Um, he threw me off when he went on on the View, and he said, "If you're against trans, you're against me," or something to that effect. So he kind of lost me right there. I was That's like, "Weird, I didn't hear that." Uh, yeah, I was like, "Bro, what?" I was like, skirt! <laughs> what? I never excuse knew me, that. bro. Excuse me, excuse me. So I'm gonna have to go Ralph Barbosa right now, man. Plus okay. I do like I do I do like that 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 young brother, man. I, I really enjoy because I like comedy, you know, I like comics, stand-up comics. So I, I enjoy him because he has they're like rappers to me. You know what I mean? They have their own style. Yeah. Every comedian has his own flow, his own style, his own pocket. And that's what I notice about different comedians. And I do enjoy his style. He has a a cool Hispanic kind of style to him, yeah. but I love George Lopez too. He's very funny, but he lost me with that. But I'm gonna go with Ralph. Yeah, if I, I if I knew that, I think that the I think most people's opinion would change <laughs> if they knew that fact, my boy. <laughs> shit, bro, George is a homie. I be kicking in with him and shit. And I never heard him say no shit like yeah, that. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. I don't know what he meant by that, but okay. Yeah, I don't I don't think I want to know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, dog. Okay, coming from the old school era where everything was physical and now everything is digital and you everything is hard to get a hold of something and everything's so fast, would you prefer the old school physical era or now the quick to get it digital? Oh man, I you know, I have to say because I'm such a fanatic of music, I have to say that uh, I'd have to go with the digital. And the reason why is because you know, I just like music. I like to be able to just get to it and find it. And I'm able to find things today that when I was a kid, I just, I didn't have it. I couldn't find that record, you know what I mean? That song, you know what I mean? And, and to be able to do that today at such a quick, quick way, you know what I mean? It's just, for a music person like myself, I just, I, I just got to say I love it, you know what I mean? I love it because I'm able to find anything that I want. You, I was for looking for that instant gratification. Yeah, I was looking for, uh, the other day I wanted to listen to the soundtrack of Boulevard Nights. Okay. Right, I was like, it's, I love that soundtrack. Hell yeah, I love that soundtrack. Um, it's just so cool to listen to. Smoke a joint and just listen to it. Um, 
But I just couldn't get it like that. Before, I was thinking to myself, damn, if I had to find this shit, I'd have to go record store to record store. Hey, you know anybody got the Boulevard Night song? It was today? a search. It was a search. Yeah. I used to have to do that shit, dog. You yeah. couldn't. You have a party on Saturday, or you know what I mean. You got to go find these records. It's some new song out. Yeah. You know you got to find it. It's not at this record store, or it's sold out. You got to drive to the next record store. <laughs> you got to go to this. Is you know that was a mission, bro. The record gets scratched. Oh, oh, I need this song scratched. Where? Oh no. Gotta find another one. Wow. Gotta drive to Hollywood. Oh, they don't have it. Gotta drive over to the Silver Lake. Oh, luckily they got it. Oh, man, dog. Oh, man. Those are the days. That's why I say nowadays I'm just like, oh, what's the name of that song again? Oh, I just are here somewhere and I'm like, boom, I just shazam it. Oh, yeah, that's right. All right, here you so go. Easy, boom, right? in my playlist. Boom, play it. I love it, bro. <laughs> oh, you can't be there. Come on, man. While you're that. driving with your feet up yeah, and, your car, for sure. and your car's driving you yeah, in your Tesla. For sure. Come on, man. Yeah. I can't complain about that. Come yeah, you on. Can't complain. And, and, and you're, you just woke up from a nap while you're still driving. Exactly, shit. bro. Yeah, the exactly. Digital era is crazy. Bro. I love it. Shit. So this one might be a, a biased, or it might not be. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But. Would you prefer the NW if you could get rid of one forever, not an island, just forever, mm-hmm. and you could only keep one? Would you rather keep the NWA era or the Death Row era? Oh man! Mm. That's a tough one, man. That's a tough one because I just the Death Row era because people died during that era, so I, I, I do feel shit. feel a little bit of a ways about it. But musically, it was just it. It just made everybody in LA step their game up. It did. It was just a different. It changed Ice Cube. You know, you didn't really see Ice Cube ever doing a West Side, this West Coast with a W and all. You know what I mean? That all, that all came from the Death Row era. You know what I mean? With Tupac. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it made everybody step their game up. Then you had the East Siders came. And then, you know what I mean? It was just, ah, man. I would have to say the Death Row era. I'm going to say Death Row. Death it was Row? just, yeah, Death Row era. It All was right. just so much competitive at that time, and some incredible music came out, you know, yeah. from both sides. So there it is there. There it is there. Hey, I have two more questions, yeah. and then you're off the hook. We could stop all the pressure. I had two more questions, and one of them is going to be a little bit controversial. And one of them we're gonna, might hurt some feelings. I really don't give a fuck. You don't have to answer if you don't want to. No problem. Okay. American, uh, I'm sorry, not American. You you brought up one of the, the movies earlier. Boulevard Nights or Blood and Blood Out? Boulevard Nights. Hell yeah. You said that off top. No problem. Here's a controversial one. If you had to get rid of one for the culture for the rest of eternity and keep one, would you rather keep Julio Cesar Chavez or would you rather keep Oscar De La Hoya? Uh, I'm keeping Julio Cesar Chavez. Yeah? Yeah. And me too after I seen him in that fucking weird ass DNG see-through with his nipples <laughs> the other night. I was like, what the fuck is going on with my boy over there? And he left his boy hanging the other day that lost the fight. Yeah? He, he What's his name? Um, Garcia. Garcia, man. He lost the fight, man. man De La Hoya didn't, didn't, didn't hang with him till the end of the night, man. Well, with that see-through DNG shit, <laughs> seeing his nipples all on pay-per-view, dog, I'm like, what come really on. is going on with this golden boy? Yeah, huh? come on, yeah, We man. need to address that, dog. That, that is not a good look for the culture. <laughs> no, bro. <laughs> 
Well, there it is there, man. Much love to the legendary Julio G, man. Anything nah, else you want to say me, before you get up out of here? Oh, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in and checking us out today. And just thank you for all the support you give me over the years. I appreciate you all very much, man, for sure. And we always got more stuff coming, man, you know? That's right. And much love to you for everything you do for the culture. Oh, like thank I you, man. Go. And same thing for you, man. I got to give you your props, too, man, because you've been doing your thing. And it's, it's very inspirational to a lot of people to, to look up. And see somebody like you, you you grind, man. You work hard, man. I, I've been watching you for years, and you never stopped your thing. You don't let people slow you down. I think um, I think people need to pay more attention to you and what you're doing because you're doing it so independent, so on your own. You got your own spot. I love this, man. This is what you're doing. So Thank I salute you, man, because it's uh, it's very inspirational, man. I appreciate Absolutely, that, man. That's that's coming from a legend, man, and that shit humbled me. Again, nah, you're brother. doing it, man. You're appreciate doing it. it. I, I I I like to see Latinos winning, bro. Yeah. We need to support each other more. You know what I mean? I don't like to see like a lot of the stuff that's going on. I, I don't want to get too into that because yeah. it's not my era, my my time, mm. not my generation. You know what I mean? But. I'd, I'd rather see us working with each other, man, and doing things with each other. I'd rather see us making music with each other instead of always falling for the trap of the controversy. I just want to say this before I go. <clears throat> Back in 1990, we had Mentirosa, the record with Mellow Man Ace that had took off. And then La Raza came like three or four months after that, both produced by Tony G, um, you know, I introduced Mello to Tony G. Frost was already a friend of Tony G. So it was all, all of us together. You know what I mean? Like kind of a family thing. But we went out to East L.A. College, man, and just did this show one day that it was just sold out. And, and I mean, we we just felt so on top, man. Like we felt so proud of ourselves. And we just felt so being young and just as Hispanics and all our people there and the flags flying, and it, you know, I want you guys to experience that. I want you guys to feel that. You can't feel that when you're doing this negativity towards each other. You just can't. It's not going to happen. You, you got to have that feeling, man. It's, it's something you'll just, it'll take you to another level, man. It'll make you love your brother even more. And like, we need to make more music together. We need to do more shows together. You need to do do that because that's 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 what I want people to feel. I think people get caught up in, in the beefs too much and, and then... The fans, too, you're at fault, too, because you guys put this, the battery in the back, too. So you got to remember as fans, man, you guys got to be easier and understand that, that this stuff is not helping our community. You know what I mean? We want to make, I want to see you guys make music together. I want to see all you guys, even the ones that have had beefs, you guys should just do some secretly and quietly and just drop it on them. Wow. You know what I mean? Because that's the impact. That's how you take advantage. That's easy E what he would do. He takes advantage of the moment. How you make something negative and make something positive out of it? That's what that's what I like to see. You know what I mean? So, and I'm not saying this towards anybody directly. I'm saying it just across the board. Like I said, I I don't have sides. I don't really know what people's beefs are going on, but I catch little stuff here and there. You know what I mean? So, like I said, I like to see you guys do more stuff together, man, and find a way to 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 make good music, man. Make good music. You guys can get out in that show one day, and you don't feel that shit, man. Telling you, man, that feeling was incredible. I still feel it to this day. I'll never forget that day, man. Never wow. forget that. And we did it many times, but that specific day is when we knew, damn, everything. we're popping right yeah. now. The Hispanics in L.A., we got them locked. Oh, they love it. Wow. And the songs are so fun. And they're just, it's just, it was just, man, it was great, man. I want you guys all to feel that one day. You know what I mean? All you guys to feel that. Wow. For and sure. that's coming from a person that's experienced success more than most artists 
been on tours around the world, mm -hmm. hit countries that people that claim they're popping down here will never ever hit their foot on it. Humbly mm -hmm. saying that because of your contribution. So for the fact that that you speak on a on a level of success. Uh, experience and, mm -hmm. and having that OG knowledge, motherfuckers need to wake up. You guys heard it right there, <laughs> That's there right. man. It's time to stand together, put the bullshit aside, put put the egos aside, and let's stand together and get this money for and sure. make history more than money for sure. Because that's what's that's what's more impactful. That's for what our I remember. People. Yeah, yeah, for man. sure, man. Thank you, Julio. Thank you, Kramer. I appreciate you, man. Thank you very much, man. I love this. Let's do it. Let's do it another time, man. Yeah, you know you what already mean? know. It's Come back soon. and smoke some more. Let's yeah, do it. Hell yeah, we're gonna definitely smoke some more. Before we get up out of here, I respect everybody's beliefs. But it's part of my uh, honor and my duty to, to honor God and say a quick little prayer before we get up out of here. Sure. So, Father God, I appreciate you today. Thank you for waking us up. Thank you for blessing us with another day of opportunity to live our life, live our dreams, to be able to fellowship and program with our people, with our brother Julio G that was able to pull up today. Bless us with this testimony of his beautiful life story, how he was able to turn his music, passion of love for music into a career and in and, and a life-changing situation for many people in this world, Lord, and, uh, including myself and we, we want to thank everybody that supports and subscribes all over the world. I want to thank everybody that, that taps in and shows love to our movement of positivity. Thanks to my baby girl. Thanks to my son Fabian here today. Thanks to Critical and the whole team that helped make this production uh, a reality. And we want to just thank you for letting us live another day. Shout mm -hmm. out to everybody. Much love and amen. That's how amen. we do it. Amen. That's right. Yeah, man. That's how we do it. I love God. Until we are up out of here to the next episode, much love to everybody. Thank you, Critical, for troubleshooting this with me this week. It was a crazy ass week. Yes, sir. We stayed until like three in the morning <laughs> just on wire management last night. Though. You got it done, though. Yeah. Hey, thank you for everybody tapping in. And we about episode number 10 is in the books. The legendary Julio G. Make sure you give him a follow, give him a love, give Peace. him some, some support. And we about West. Right. West Side Radio, baby. Let's go. To give a shout out to our sponsors of the week. It is Illegal Image Clothing. You could check them out on Instagram, Illegal Image Clothing. And then we got our brother and, and the one that's putting it down, punching back in LA County and all over Southern California. His name is Attorney Rosenberg. You guys could check him out at Attorney Rosenberg. And then if you guys want to get some training, some fitness, some nutrition, get your mind right, get your body right, get right for summer, tap in with my boy JB Fitness. That's JB underscore fitness on Instagram. And we also got the homies at Rap Kings. That's right, Rap Kings underscore LV. If you guys want to get your walls, businesses wrapped, uh, vehicles, they do it all. So make sure you guys let them know that Mr. Criminal sent you. And last but not least, we got Trade Craft Farms. That's right, the homie Daniel Rodriguez of the USC pulled up this week and uh, tapped in with a bag of that Trade Craft, and we've been in touch. So I want to give a shout-out to all our sponsors. Make sure you guys give them a follow. Make sure you guys show some love and support. <laughs>